right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up Podcast. Sally here, got a long episode for you today, recapping our trip to Sweden, Norway, and Denmark this past summer as part of Taurus Sauce Season 8. Uh, if you are listening to this the day it comes out, that means Taurus Sauce is airing tonight, Wednesday, uh, October 26th, 9 p.m. Eastern Time on our YouTube channel. Uh, and there will be subsequent eight, eight total episodes every Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern on our YouTube channel for every week after that. want to give a huge shout out to our friends at Precision Pro for sponsoring yet another season of Taurus Sauce. If you're unfamiliar with what that is, it is our travel series. Uh, this is our eighth season of doing it, going around the world to different golf locations, highlighting the golf scene, the golf culture, and just the regular culture around these places. I think this was definitely more of a cultural trip than it was a golf trip. We talk a lot about uh, that on this episode of the podcast, which is meant to complement the video series. doesn't spoil anything uh, really from the video series, but just add some color and have uh, maybe a bit of familiar, help add some familiarity to the golf courses and the scene when you go to do watch the episode. So big shout out to everyone on our video side, uh, DJ, Matt Golden, Austin Gearing, that have been doing a lot of editing uh, for this season. And it's been a grind. It's a bit, it's a big project. If you can't tell, we are put a lot of pride into this. And uh, again, thanks for the Pro for sponsoring this series and this episode of the podcast is brought to you by our friends at Precision Pro, a proud partner of No Laying Up. Listen, we've all stood over the ball and hit the exact shot we wanted, but instead of finding the green, the ball falls five yards short or sails 10 yards long. Guessing your yardage is not necessary anymore and you don't have to break the bank to do it. That was a huge reason why we wanted to partner with these guys. They make affordable products for anyone. And at PrecisionProGolf.com, you can get reliable rangefinders or GPS speakers that fit that price model. The award-winning NX10 Slope Rangefinder offers golfers everything they will need in a rangefinder. We all have the NX10 on our bags. It's a game changer. It locks onto the target quickly. It just feels like a very quality product. It's got a magnetic cart mount, slope switch, which makes using it as easy as pie. What stands out also about the NX10, it is customizable. You can go to precisionprogolf.com. You can select from an ever-growing selection of interchangeable designs to attach to your rangefinder, like they have a city and state series, or you can do a no-laying-up skin uh, if you really want to support the show. And they are also proud to offer a youth-on-course design. If you're not familiar with youth-on-course, they break down barriers for kids by providing rounds of golf for as little as $5, and you can support this mission by adding the youth-on-course skin to your cart when you purchase a uh, Precision Pro NX10 rangefinder. They donate 10 dollars to provide kids an opportunity to learn lessons that can be taught only on a golf course. Head to precisionprogolf.com to find the right product for you or find out more how they are working with youth on course to give kids a chance to get on the golf course and learn the game. Swing with confidence, hit more greens with Precision Pro Golf. Here is our recap of Torosaw Scandinavia. A rarity, all five of us here on the pod. Sally here, uh, the pie man is here. Hello, DJ Pie. Hey guys, greetings. Happy to uh, be with you. Big Randy is here. Hello, Mr. Big. Hey, good morning. Always a thrill. Thank you for having me. Neil is with us in his new setup in Brooklyn. Hello, Neil. It's a work in progress up here. Uh, just a, a big store talk for having me on today. Thanks. <laughs> and uh, we can talk about that. And then uh, the TC Way, TC Logistics, the sponsor of uh, Taurus Sauce Scandinavia. Uh, it's his travel company that brought us all around. He's going to tell us all about it. Mr. Tron Carter. Hello, TC. 
Greetings, Sally from from Jacksonville. It is it is gorgeous here. We have we have entered the promised land. Uh, you know the the two months of the year that are just lovely. We are recording this about uh, three weeks in advance of the premiere, the world premiere of Taurus Sauce season eight. Uh, we traveled to Scandinavia, as many of you are familiar. Uh, we're going to talk about how that came together, what to expect in this season, and uh, expand on some thoughts that maybe didn't fit into the videos. We used to do a lot more travel podcasts than we actually uh, tend to do these days, but these are always a thrill to do, kind of a chance to really debrief on uh, a lot of topics that maybe don't fit into nice little uh, video clips and all that stuff. So it's a supplement. It's not going to spoil anything from the season. Hopefully not. Uh, we have obviously a dramatic, dramatic race to the title this year as we have every year and uh, we won't spoil that within this so feel free to consider this a supplement uh to the to the season so anything i'm missing boys oh let's fire it up well, let's do it that sounds that sounds great okay i think that's a, a very fair <laughs> expectation for today who wants to start pie man you are the executive producer of Taurus sauce tc you are the uh the 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 planner if you will if you will of basically everything that we've done uh who wants to start well, I think that's bullshit because I'm the champion of season seven. Okay, what well, do you have anything you'd like to say to kick things off, Neil? Because we can't. Talk about I, I'd well. like to. I'd like to cede my time symbolically <laughs> just, to DJ Orgatron. I just would have liked if it asked. I just would have liked if it asked. Thank you, TC. Please, I, I think we go. We got to start with the with the why Scandinavia question, and I, I yeah. think you've you've kind of taken the lead on uh, on really whipping the whipping the votes for Scandinavia. I remember the presentation vividly up in in Denver when uh, you know I think it was a is that really possible? Let me explain to you that it might be possible kind of conversation. So why, why don't we start there? Yeah, I think I I broached it with a couple of you guys like just to heat check myself a little bit of like I'm not crazy, am I? Because it it was definitely a little bit uh, daunting as far as planning and everything. But so why Scandinavia? How many domestic seasons was that in a row? We did. Michigan, Oregon, Pinehurst. Yeah, so so three domestic three in seasons row, yeah. in a row. We wanted to kind of throw a curveball at it, right? And we've been cooped up, COVID. Uh, we've been cooped up domestically, and we wanted to get back out into the world. I think everybody expected us to go to England, which certainly that would be a good season. But it, I think we were very keen on adventure, right? And, and exploring somewhere new. We've been to England. We've been to, you know, we know what the golf is like there. Scandinavia, Sweden in particular, we we don't know much about the golf at all. And I think it's, you know, as you'll see in the season and from listening today, pretty underrated golf culture. Nine and a half, 10 million people in Sweden specifically. I think they're the far, they're farthest along as far as their golf journey or like golf taking hold in that in, in that country versus Norway or Finland or Denmark. But there's about nine and a half, 10 million people in Sweden, and about five percent of them play golf, which is pretty staggering number considering the short season how far north they are all that so yeah and then personally my my, my wife's family is from sweden we still have aunts and uncles there and everything so had kind of a a warm lead there uh, i've spent some time in stockholm before and uh it's somewhere where in the summer when we typically film these it is very like the the days are very very long so that creates a little bit more flexibility and you know again just wanting to get off course wanting to show the adventure, wanting to get back to, hey, let's take a trip and just, you know, kind of going back to our roots of Taurus Sauce season one of let's go somewhere totally, totally different and just see where it takes us. Yeah, I, I 
Totally agree. And I think from an episode perspective, I mean, we, we kind of all talked about this together, but you know, I love looking back on like the episodes that we've done. I love when you get very, very golfy, you know, and I love like the old course episode where Solly's breaking down the strategy of the third hole. And I love the North Berwick episode where we're talking about the whole back nine, but not every course in the world is the old course or North Berwick. Right. And I, I don't like kind of pretending like they are. And so it's, you got to have uh, like the stuff that I think about when I think back on some of my favorite episodes is all piling into the plane, going to Tasmania or uh, getting absolutely just shit faced in Killarney and and uh, some of that stuff. And I think like that's kind of some of, of the the adventure you're you're talking about. Right. Like let's let's do let's do some planes, trains and automobiles. Uh, let's have some weird pack jobs. Let's, uh, you know, find some weird parking spaces. Let's get somewhere where English is not the predominant language. That's a big one. And uh, for yeah, one. for tourists. First press. time for that one. First time for that one. And also the, uh, you know, all of that said, like the golf was still freaking excellent. Right. Which is kind of, you know, I, I think maybe my biggest my biggest takeaway, Neil, Neil, what'd you, what'd you have? Where's all, where, where you kind of shake out on all this? I think the word is curiosity when I feel like, it, you know, I almost, I remember that moment in last January as well, Deej, it was almost like you were the Leo meme of, you know, you had my attention <laughs> on all these other spots that we considered, but, but now you have my, my curiosity. And I think that's when, uh, just for the record, when you see the real other way around, but the other way around. All right. Well, for this, well, the this, point uh, stands. No, the point the stands. Points, the, the point stands for it me. It was an, uh, influenced by that champion. by that seed. Dare you correct him? <laughs> well, I think it it's it it happens for Randy. For I think you and I on strapped. Like when we go to a place we've never been, and uh, you know, you're curious about uh, you know what's it like here, both culturally and from a golf perspective. I think that's when the magic happens a little bit, and uh, I feel like you know. Scandinavia is a place I've never been, feels far away, and I was very curious about what we were going to find, which which is a great way to start the trip. And I, and it was something to look forward to uh, all of this year, which was a which was an awesome uh, awesome way to kick things off. That said, I don't want to I don't want to overstate the foreignness of it because everybody there speaks better English than we do. <laughs> yeah, no, it's right in that sweet spot where you you feel like you're out of your comfort zone with, without really any risk of being outside your comfort zone. <laughs> That's kind of what we're looking for. I'll push back a little bit on that because I felt like I felt the same amount of excitement when before we went to Australia. But Australia felt like San Diego a little much more so than Sweden yeah. and Norway and Denmark felt like the U.S. Right. So very different culturally, whereas some place like Australia, which is a lot farther away, felt very much similar to where we're from, except, you know, we're driving on the other side of the road. The toilets are going backwards. You know, those those little flourishes. There's kangaroos. Of course. Hopping around. And wallabies. And I think, yeah, the season is just more of a, for one to start, I was, I was skeptical before the presentation really last year. I was, cause I wanted to go to England. I think it's, it's the greatest volume of golf courses of great golf courses, probably anywhere in the world. I mean, it's just astronomical. The amount of incredible golf there is in England. We've never really done any video work there, but there's also, that seems, that's also like a little bit predictable. I think like you kind of have an idea of what it's like. And I, did not know what golf in Sweden was like. And yet how many Swedes are there that we see in professional golf on both the men's and women's side? We have Victor Hovland coming from Norway. We have how many Danes have come out, uh, you know, over the years and like trying to understand that why there's so many exports out of Scandinavia comparative to the population 
coming from that climate was I was I thought like a big task that we had to or I, I wanted the answer to that. I wanted to understand that a little bit better. I wanted to uh, see what their golf courses were like, see what that culture is like. And uh, it this this season, though, had more of a mix of a European vacation with golf as a through line. It was more like a, I, I, I likened it to uh, when I lived in Europe, I always came across these like not biker gangs, but these bike trips, people that would bike you know, from, from spot to spot. And maybe they would shuttle from uh, different cities and whatnot, but like biking was their through line to seeing Europe. And on this trip, golf was our through line into seeing this part of the world. It was not as much of a golf trip as it was like, that was an activity we did most of the days. Randy, I feel like that's got to resonate with you and what, what you're looking for. Out for of sure. Trip. Yeah. And I think I I'm firmly in the camp that Neil spelled out personally speaking. I don't think I had been anywhere where English was not the dominant language in, gosh, over 15 years. So from a, from a very personal standpoint, it was exciting, right? Uh, getting to travel somewhere new and the curiosity and, and the freshness of it all, right? Seeing and experiencing things for the very first time, getting a real thrill out of that. And then, yeah, on the golf side, just, okay, what's it? what's it going to be about going in with almost no expectations, right? I, I didn't want to, it kind of like we do on any trip, certainly places I haven't been courses. I haven't played. I try not to do too much research or look at too many pictures. Cause I just want to experience it for the first time in the moment. And that it was a whole trip of that. And yeah, DJ, to your point, it was, I, I love it. So this was this was a tremendous trip. We'll get into all the reasons why, but great selection. I'm glad we did it. And I would I would shout out TC on that point specifically, Randy, because I, I feel the same way. I like to, you know, experience it the first time instead of doing a ton of research. But Tron puts together these production guides, which gives like a very like three to five sentences on like where we're going, what the theme of the day is, what we're up to, which gives me a good base of knowledge to like what, what I need to look out for, what am I trying to, you know, uncover here on, on this trip, you know, and that, that comes into handy on a two week trip, uh, comes in handy on a trip like this because it's two weeks and sometimes you can start to get a little run down. So those, those guides are, are huge for me, TC. Well, good. Uh, I think from a planning perspective, we, we, first thing I did was reach out to Jacob Showman, Swedish photographer, drone videographer, known the world over in golf circles. He was exceptionally helpful in putting all this together. I think the line that you had, I think it's in the first episode, uh, but of the top 30 courses in in Sweden or Scandinavia, I think he basically works with 28 of them in like an official capacity. So as you said, very good guy to know on, yes. on the Scandinavia trip. Yes, and just, a, and just a great guy in general, too. And a lot of people, you've probably seen his work, honestly, even if you don't know his name. Like you've seen him floating around Instagram and and twitter and stuff he's just amazing and also just how overall intimidating it is and for all the listeners listening to this like these words probably mean nothing to you at this point unless you're part of this you know part of this from this part of the world Brohofslot, visby christianstad great northern Fausterbo, barsebeck fialbaca lufton links like the, what are the chances that you know anything about those golf courses right so we're starting from scratch trying to figure out where we should go in this part of the world and to neil's point on the production guide stuff too it's like uh, i mean we how could we even differentiate between these two courses that these words uh, you know even if i've never been to 
I don't know, Swinley Forest in London. Like I have some kind of idea of what that is like. Yet none of these places did I have any, could I have pictured one single hole on. And I don't think we've ever gone into a season that blind before in terms of what we were, what we were going to get around the corner. Yeah, I think, and shout out to my, my wife's uncle, Pear, uh, as well. He was very helpful, very good player. Played on the Nordic Tour for couple of years and he's he's played most of these golf courses he lives in naples but he also has a place in sweden yeah i, I think that was the toughest part for me is like top 100 golf is super super helpful as i'm putting this stuff together i kind of start with a list of like 70 or 80 courses just look at like google earth and top 100 golf and figure out kind of like whittle it down from there those are some of my favorite conversations i think it's just oh hey Trial, what's up like what would you do last night Oh yeah, I just had kind of got kind of drunk and looked at every golf course in Oregon on Google Maps. It's like, oh, well, awesome! And he's done that for every one of these seasons. It's it's very comprehensive process. You'd be shocked at how many courses like don't show up on rankings lists or totally. You know, and that's like that's my biggest compliment, I think, to the schedule. I feel like we've said this every season now is that list of courses that you're going to see and that we're going to talk about and that we're going to make videos about is truly, I think, reflective of all the places we went, right? So it's the tip-top premiere experience at Brohoff Slot. It's the neighborhood, almost kind of a Muni-type feel at a place like Fielbaca. It's far off. It's, you know, kind of normal country club golf. It's just, it's it's really, really cool. And so I have a big compliment to TC on on that one as well. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, we could easily just go down the top 10 on the list and just and we're not going to get a lot of variety if we do that we're going to be playing a lot of quote-unquote championship golf courses all of that and we're going to be missing all the soul of swedish golf i think going back to the other thing that was really really difficult was all right how much time do we spend in denmark how much time do we spend in in norway how much time do we spend in finland uh we tried to make finland happen we tried to go over to the oland islands uh that 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 did not work out we were there in July and early August. So basically everybody takes July off or a lot of people take July off in Sweden and it's kind of like vacation time. So, you know, everybody, like all the places, like all the hotels, all the cabins, all the cottages at, you know, a lot of these places are packed already. So we, we didn't end up going to Finland. So apologies to the Finns. Which I will say taking, taking off the month of, month of July was a, that was a key learning, a key takeaway for me for, uh, from this trip I, that yes was, you what, know. what is it week week 26 they, they go by like we were there week 30 which was when all the uh all the over 30s go out to to visby yeah. so i think randy was was pretty turned up for for that ferry ride randy i could get into that for next year maybe maybe you and i can come up with some week, yeah, week themes yeah. for next year i love yeah. it so we played once in in denmark kind of crossed denmark off the list Den- golf's a little bit more nascent in denmark and a lot of the good golf is out farther west from Copenhagen and then we're and, and then we played one round in Norway uh we were going to play Oslo Golf Club as well but we couldn't make the dates work there so most of it is centered on Sweden but I think most of Scandinavian golf is is Swedish as well like they're kind of the farthest along they're 20 or 30 years ahead of the rest of Scandinavia as far as golf goes and I guess Iceland is also technically a part of Scandinavia as well and there's some cool golf in iceland Sally, you just got back from there yeah uh we are going to be doing some film work in iceland at some point uh, that that i promise and i'll take the lead on that because it's outrageous i mean the courses are probably not great honestly but they're uh and we'll talk it, it's probably decently similar to Lufthansa links which we'll talk about in terms of just rockiness that 
golf doesn't seem to make sense here, but there's actually some really good, really good terrain. And like, it looks like a lot of space to build some golf courses in Iceland. If anybody's interested in that, you see just, just to get ahead of it before we dive in any proverbial old head situation, this season, uh, anything you want to get out in front of. Yeah. Olna, For those that are not familiar, like, we did not play old head when we went to Ireland in 2019 and got just an endless amount of shit for it. And no old head question mark has been a running joke for several years, but I know we have a lot of new listeners. So in case you don't remember that from three years ago. Yeah. It, well, and it's kind of a, a philosophical divide as well of like, yeah, like old head looks like a great place to walk around. Do I need to go play golf there? Not really. I would say Olna, which is like a, it's a, it's a Nicholas course. They've had the Solheim Cup there. They've done a few other things there. It was kind of like one of the grand dames of Stockholm golf. We played Bruhoff Salute instead. That's really like PGA Sweden down in down kind of the south there. We skipped that. There's a few places kind of in the central part of the country. We didn't do much in the central part of the country, but I, I think we hit all the ones that that like made the most sense. And we'll talk about Christian Stads. I'm super glad that that Solly uh, Cody and Ben went and played there as well. Cause that was one that they've done a lot of work over the last few years. And like, I think that's, that one's probably rising more rapidly in the rankings than just about any course in the world right now. So, but yeah, really before we get into it, I think the other thing on the planning side for me was just how easy it was to plan once we got down to it with when Scandinavians tell you they're going to do something like they're, they're going to, they, they, like they do it, they follow through. There's no, there's no, you know, gray area or wishy-washiness, like when they're timely, they're organized, they're direct. Um, so all of that was made it easier. Uh, so we flew into Stockholm. Uh, we all took varying routes to get there. Randy, Neil, Cody. I, I think Randy, Neil, Cody went Delta direct from New York into Stockholm. Yeah, JFK. Ben was on vacation in Italy with his wife, so he flew in from Venice or Milan. And then Solly, DJ, and I came united. Solly and I came through the Northeast, either Newark or Del I think Newark. And then DJ met us in Newark, but then went through Switzerland. We went through Germany. I was very so. nervous. There was a lot of uh, – this whole summer was just full of lost bag catastrophes, and I was trying to avoid that Amsterdam, uh, you know, shipple uh, nightmare. So – it's all. No offense to your to your former uh, neighbors, but it just didn't. It seemed like a tough, and tough. People summer. might wonder why we all fly different itineraries. Uh, Neil actually instituted a new policy that we're not allowed to all be on the same flight. So, so that's what we're trying to abide by. Yeah. The uh, yeah. So we avoided London Heathrow and Schiphol like the plague. We did that. DJ and Sally arrived well rested as well. Whereas I think you know Neil. Randy, they had kind of a long layover, bad Sky Club experience in in uh, JFK, right? They were they were offered warm beers. No, and, none and of that's ice. true. You know, the what, warm beer this, thing's true. That's very true. This, the warm beer thing is true. I got your uh, ass on the record about that. Yeah, the uh, flight attendant offered me a warm beer, and I said, "That's just not going to work for me. They got to be cold." <laughs> and then offered the same beer to Randy a couple seats back. Offered, <laughs> yeah, a few seats behind me offered Randy the same same warm beer, and he like. Like I knew he would. He said, that ain't good enough. I'm, I'm not, we're not doing that on this overnight <laughs> we flight. We're doing cold. Solly, I, th Solly, I think if we had any, any issues, it was that like our, our 
ice cream sundaes were too cold. The meal was on the flight. Too good. Over. I'm a pretty simple eater. Like it was too fancy for me, really. In uh, in in Polaris one or whatever it's called, we got to use TC's well earned upgrades from. You know, he's flying through Houston 38, 45 times a year, and uh, he gets incredible <laughs> status on United. So much that he's got premier points to just share and give out. And uh, frankly, by my silence on any related travel issues, uh, because it was very nice to sit uh, in an extremely upgraded <laughs> travel cabin uh, to fly across the Atlantic. Unrelated to the airlines themselves, I think Randy had one of the travel hacks I've best I've seen this year. He, what, what's the shiatsu massager you brought with you, Randy? <laughs> yeah, that was good stuff. Shout out to our friend Ben. Yeah, pack the shiatsu massager was Awesome on the plane, got me through the international flight, and then enjoyed it in the car rides it's, going around Scandinavia. It was fantastic. Yes, I got some time in with that thing on a couple long drives. It's great. And I will say this is probably, well, since Australia, the first, well, I guess you guys in Scotland. we uh, In Ireland, we had like, you know, we were on a bus. We kind of had a tour, a bit of a tour guide situation, whereas this was, we were on our own all, all over Scandinavia, which was a... Uh, Again, like it complicates things, but it also, I think, leads to a very, uh, a lot more, you know, serendipitous stuff, which is, which is good. But you got to take care of yourself on those car rides. Yeah. Randy, I've been listening to the trap draw a lot. Is that the same massager they were using in the, in the chest stuff you guys were talking about, or is it a different one? <laughs> Great question, DJ. And I appreciate you, uh, making that comparison. It's actually a slightly different one. Okay. So we fly into our Stockholm Arlanda airport, which is, in my opinion, kind of a shithole. Yes, yeah, it's, it's fine. It's you not know. a good airport. It's fine. All right, let's not draw all this. Let's let's let's. All right. <laughs> let's it's go. an it's like forty five minutes to an hour, you know, northwest of the city, and then we we picked up the cars. BMW gave us three three vehicles. We had two X threes and an X five, so plenty of room for the what was it seven of us yep. total. We checked in. We stayed at the Mornington Hotel in uh, Ostermalm, kind of on the northeast side of, of downtown Stockholm, right in the city center. Great little hotel, really nice. You know, we were, we were doing the whole bit of, we were in Riyadh, or, or King Abdullah Economic City in Jeddah. I posted that on my Instagram, and you would not believe how many bites. I posted a, a picture of our hotel room and just said, finally made it, King Abdullah Economic City. This is like peak. Liv is just popping off at, at its absolute peak at this point. And the amount of bite, if you fell for that, you should be embarrassed. Like you should be totally and completely <laughs> embarrassed for anyone that fell for that. We are not ruling out season nine in uh, the Middle East. Correct. Though. If the money comes through. Keeping all options open. Yeah. A shout out to our friends at Original Penguin. If you remember, they were our sponsor for season five of Tour Sauce and continue to support the series, providing a lot of clothing wear that you will see uh, when you go check it out on our YouTube channel. Starting this Wednesday, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, Original Penguin is the brand you wear for the good times. They've got stylish apparel for your whole closet and your game. You'll see us rocking this stuff on the golf course. You'll see us rocking it off the golf course. This is an iconic American brand born in 1955 as Munsingware, now known as Original Penguin, worn by masters of leisure and sports, true legends of the game, and now a full lifestyle brand with streetwear, loungewear, golf apparel, tennis collections, and even pickleball gear. You know I'm a huge fan of their hoodies. Uh, they sent us a, a couple that I think multiple people wore the same exact hoodie because we all ordered it when we went to that website, the blue and blue and white kind of checkered one. You'll see that one frequently in this upcoming season so original penguin has it all for you and your original style so go to originalpenguin.com use code nlu for 20 percent off site wide it's a fantastic deal again originalpenguin.com code nlu for 20 percent off site wide let's get back to the pod first course of the trip 
was Stockholm Golf Club. We figured we would start things out with a Harry Colt design. It's reachable via the subway. Dr. Covell took the subway. Christian London uh, is doing a kind of a restoration slash renovation of the place ongoing. Kind of a fantastic neighborhood course that they're really polishing off. So DJ, you want to take us there? Yeah, it was uh, it was exactly that. It was kind of, you know, listening back to some of the voiceover stuff. Randy, I thought you made some some great points about, you know, I, I kind of love that vibe where you are a, a city kind of grows up around a golf course. I always think that's a really a really cool aesthetic. I think LACC is kind of comparable to that in uh, in Los Angeles. And Stockholm Golf Club was kind of a, a, a smaller version of that. It, it was, uh, I also love this bit too, where, you know, uh, they do this kind of outside the US, but where a, a club, quote unquote, is, is a true club. It's not synonymous with course, you know? So Stockholm Golf Club was founded in 1904, but they had like four venues before they actually settled on, on this place where they're, where they're at now, which was laid out in 1932 by John Morrison, uh, predominantly, who was Harry Colt's design partner. So I don't know how much time Harry Colt actually spent there, but obviously a lot of the same vision, a lot of the same style by John Morrison. Quick parenthetical side note, Harry Colt's awesome. Every time I play one of his golf courses, I'm like, oh God, this is so much different than a lot of this other golden age stuff. A lot of just quirky, weird, uh, kind of bold, uh, just the, the, the more you can seek out any of his or his team's stuff i think the better but big uh, big dick player yeah well said well said uh as you mentioned uh christian london who we were fortunate to to spend some time with there's nothing better i i think back on like the day at kingsley club or band and trails but anytime you can walk around with an architect who can kind of explain to you like here's what I'm thinking here. Here's why this bunker's here. This tee box didn't used to be here. All that kind of stuff obviously is like the 401 class to, to playing any of these places. And Christian London was very generous to come out and see us and, and explain a lot of the work that he's doing out there. It's a lot of kind of, a lot of the standard restoration stuff, you know, new, you know, removing trees and bringing back old tee boxes and a lot of that stuff. But, but the main thing, I think kind of the the thing that shines the most is all the bunker work that they did out there trying to really recreate a lot of these old Harry Colt uh, kind of Tom Simpson, like English Heathland style bunkering, uh, which was really, really cool. It was it was fascinating to hear him talk about how kind of how he researches that style and just flipping through Tom Simpson books and and seeing random bunkers from courses in England and trying to kind of recreate them on this on this place at Stockholm golf club was, was really cool. And also interesting kind of for agronomy nerds, but hearing how, how he, like how much work it was to actually create the bunker edges and the, the way that they actually got the style that they did there because the grass types are so different and the growing season is so short and all of those things. Uh, I was really appreciative to, to hear a lot of that from, from Christian because a, a lot of that style you see in the United States or, or elsewhere is done on, on a lot of like sandy sites or warmer climates. And he was kind of explaining the difference between, you know, when Gil Hans has a place like a hoopy match club, like this is, it's very different to make these, these kind of like sharp edged bunkers than it is at a place in Stockholm. That's, you know, basically the same latitude as Anchorage, Alaska. Right. And it's just a very, very different type of grass. So it was really cool. As far as, the actual golf course, I, I think it was super rugged in a in a really great way. Uh, some of that was because it's still it, it was kind of mid 
restoration renovation still. So in a, in a cool way, I, I weirdly love how the drone stuff looks. It's got kind of these like Frankenstein scars all over the place with, uh, all the drainage is kind of still growing in, but in a weird way, I, I, I think it looks really cool. Neil, I, I, I have all this footage kind of top of mind because I'm editing this episode right now, but I know you were kind of, kind of in the same boat on, on some of the aesthetic stuff. Yeah. I think TC called it out too. He, it reminded us of the East Bay in, uh, California. And I think you nailed it, DJ, with the, the city kind of growing up around it. I think there's a lot of courses in the East Bay where that's happened. And it was a lot hillier than I expected it to be. Yeah. Uh, I also think it was a good first course we played and some themes showed up immediately that I saw later on in the trip. Uh, Scandinavia and Sweden specifically take their par fives seriously <laughs> and they want them to be three shot par fives. That tenth, some, the 10th tenth hole we were, we were on for like 50 minutes and, playing and, that hole. And, Truly any means necessary to make these three shot par fives. And I really, really like number 17, which is a par five back into this little pocket of the, of the course surrounded by some houses, but a really cool green with a, you know, kind of, I would say diet lion's mouth bunker. Um, but I really just love the, the feel of that hole and uh, the par fives really stuck out to me. Our first look, there's a big, big lake on the back nine with, I think the, the royal family had a summer home back there. And so that was an, an unbelievable setting where you're like, oh, this is a course in the middle of Stockholm. But hey, check it out. Over here in the backyard, there's just some, you know, some scion summer homes, uh, just in case you were you were into that kind of thing. Uh, and I think throughout the trip, just epic bodies of water. A lot of these courses that we played were featuring like water features both man-made and just natural were were features of Scandinavian golf. And I think we got a taste of that at Stockholm. You guys played hickories, right? We did, we did. play hickories. We, we played a hickory match, uh, a continuation of a, uh, a series of matches uh, that that you'll hear all about in, in episode one. But yeah, I'm with you, Neil. It, it was one of the, this was a bit of a theme, I feel like. There were a couple places that you couldn't quite pin down geographically, but this was probably the the weirdest one or the most notes of different places right where you had like it felt very northern california to me it felt very boston with a lot of the like rock outcroppings tron it reminded me a little bit of like some of the george wright stuff that we saw or the brookline stuff but then you get out uh, up around that was kind of like 13 14 15 up on that high point back by the lake there neil and it almost feels like northern minnesota or something and it's just yeah it was very like confusing geography but in a in a really cool way so it, it was kind of unlike anything I'd seen in that in that regard. Some very good par threes, some brawny yeah. par fours too, like that that second or third par four on the front. Just, oh my God. I was like, I could go back there tomorrow and play that course every day. And, so and I would shout out maybe maybe the my favorite finishing stretch on, on the trip. I thought 16 was a, a really cool par three that was kind of, you mentioned the par threes just kind of benched right into the side of a hill, like really cool green sites that they found there. 17 was an awesome uphill par five. Neil, like you said, that goes back into the corner and then 18, just like a very, very classic back to the clubhouse, great bunkering, beautiful approach shot as kind of people are, are sitting up on that deck, having a drink or, or something. It, it was just really, really great finish. I think it's important to note too the, uh, you know, some Taurus sauce courses are like true bucket list courses. And then I also really enjoy seeing like the, here's where the quote, here's where normal people play golf courses in a city. Right. And this was accessible by subway. And like a legitimately like a Pasa Tiempo light golf course. I mean, it was had a lot of those elements, a lot of those visual 
concepts to it. Like that was the kind of the thought that went through my head playing it. It's I, I want to be clear, it is not pasta tempo. That is a, a course that I think we all hold very, uh, very, very high up on our list. But the uh, it fits in that category so well, and it's very cool. Somebody DM me recently saying like, where should I go play in Stockholm? Like this is super easy. We get a lot of questions about recommendations and we don't reply to a lot of them because it's really hard to be your, your travel planner. Uh, but it's a very easy recommendation to say, if you find yourself in Stockholm and want to play golf, you can literally jump on the subway and go to this golf course. And it is definitely, definitely, definitely worth your time. And it's funny. It's, it's known as like a posh, like, you know, <laughs> kind of exclusive club. Yeah. I think like, and, and this is a theme of Scandinavia in general. Like they don't play, pay a lot of money to play golf or join a golf club. And it's not very like private doesn't mean private. Right. And and I think the subway thing can be a gimmick, right. And when people try to force it in certain places, but I mean, Randy and, and Sally, you guys actually did it. I mean, it's from the city center. It was what a 15 minute subway ride and a five, six, seven minute walk like that. It, it's very accessible. It's not, not a gimmick. Also interesting. Cause we were up early that morning. I was one of the people that did, drove to the course and i think the only people we saw it was the whole city's on vacation i think the only people we saw on that saturday or sunday morning were people with their trolleys out and yeah. golf bags ready to go play golf saw like two or three people just coming out of their flat ready to go so that's good stuff but i think it's also worth talking about these these cities and these cultures are not designed around cars the same way that ours is and like when I, I lived in a big major european city and i never wanted a car for a second like you just don't want cars like you, it's just not the way of life and so to have something that's very accessible in that way is integral for a a city golf course i think the last thing kind of on the stockholm golf club and it, it's kind of a larger a larger theme as well but we had a really good conversation with with christian too about kind of the an abridged history of of swedish and scandinavian golf too right and it, it's it's a very similar story to what happened in the u.s just maybe shifted by a couple decades, right? Their their big massive golf boom was kind of in the 70s and 80s rather than the 50s and 60s and now they're kind of just starting that process of of going in with, you know, people like Christian or Pierre Folke who's a, a Swedish former, you know, European tour player and now has turned into an architect uh almost like a Jeff Ogilvy kind of kind of model like they're they're kind of now starting to undo a lot of this a lot of this bad work and fix up a lot of these places that are on great sites, but maybe weren't quite built, you know, with the right construction chops or the right design chops. And so it's just kind of, it's kind of cool to see that same story play out, just maybe shifted by, by a couple decades. One last theme too, and this carries on throughout the entire thing is the clubhouse food <laughs> is somehow Excellent. like unbelievable. There's like one guy in the back making it and it's, it's unbelievable. It's like a, you know, all-star, Jack of all trades, little cook in the back that's just turning out exceptional food. The Swedish meatballs at at Stockholm Golf Club were that was that was a that was a hit. That was a yeah a tone setter, a big tone setter for uh, for the clubhouse food we would eat on the rest of the trip. That last thing, DJ, you said is a good segue into Bruhoff Slut. TC, am I pronouncing that correctly? You are. I think any of this stuff you gotta just pronounce it with confidence. You know, if you just if you just go for it, hit the hole. It's not a. It's not not where I excel. Um, <laughs> so we're just gonna leave that you're, there. You're but gonna get blow, blown up in the a gap, Neil. If you if you have any hesitation, I think it's for a different sure. pronunciation every time we say it too. I thought it was Brohoff. You have to, up, yeah. Up until now, we could always just go with BHS, man. <laughs> uh, you, are, so. you are the Brohoff slots. So why don't you take us there, Neil? 
the the Brohoff salute. Uh, salute. Thirty-six hole facility located, I think, northwest of town, um, or just out outside, probably an hour, hour and a half drive from from downtown where we were staying. Uh, stunning Castle Clubhouse, great practice facility. This is the, uh, you know, the, the grand dame, as TC said earlier, of uh, Swedish golf. It was kind of on the list of, you, you know, you got to go see it. You got to go play there. Uh, there's two courses, the stadium course, which we played, the castle course. Uh, I also want to shout out the, uh, the RV golf culture in Sweden. When we showed up, there is an RV park right out in front of the, you know, the gates to this amazing castle. And they were having a, a tournament uh, on the, the uh, castle course. So it's, I think people just, you know, deep in the RV scene going all over uh, Sweden. And there's a lot of like golf tournaments um, for that, uh, you know, for that subculture of golf, which was an interesting one. Um, and, and a good juxtaposition, just the RVs and, and the castle. Uh, but it's been ranked number one in Sweden since 2007. There's a quote on their website that I think sums it up. Quote, the holes are longer, the greens are bigger, the course has more water, and the bunkers are larger and well-placed, besides which the wind is always part of the game. That quote is from Robert Trent Jones Jr., the designer of this Bobby course. Jones. And I, I think it, it kind of sets it up as this was the import of American golf to Sweden. And kind of what Christian was saying, like there's, it seems like there's a homegrown golf course architecture. There's some momentum there, and I hope it continues. You know, but th this Bruhoff salute was exactly what it was advertised as. Challenging, brawny, Parkland golf course routed next to a, a massive lake. Plays 8,000 plus yards from the tips. We did not play it from the tips, but it was still, you know, plenty of golf course for us. Um, and it was just kind of that import of American golf. I can see in the, you know, 80s and 90s of like, this is what, this is what they're doing in America. This is what we should do here. And so that's what it's branded as. And I think it accomplishes that, uh, that goal. It's in fantastic shape. It, it feels like all the, you know, the drainage, the infrastructure, the, the course is built properly. It looks great. It looks very, very green. Uh, it plays really long. And uh, I think the, the overarching theme for me was, uh, and th this may not be my type of golf, but the, the challenge to it is very in front of you, very obvious. There were a lot of shots where like water all down the left. You cannot miss left. I know what the issue is. If I'm if I miss the shot, I know exactly right when I hit it that like okay, this is going to be this is going to be a bad hole. Where there's a lot of other golf courses we played on this trip, or just the courses I tend to like is you don't realize that you messed up until you get up to your ball or you walk off the green. And you're like, man, I thought I hit you know I missed my target by ten feet, fifteen feet, and now I have a double bogey. I find that kind of subtle challenge a little bit more. Um, interesting stimulating and i think this was just much more like can you hit the shot can you not hit the shot and 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 that that kind of adds up when you think about this being a a stop on the you know the dp world tour they play a lot of uh high level amateur professional events at this course and so it is you know probably one of the hardest courses in in you know in sweden and i understand why it's number one uh and so for that it it, it accomplishes the you know the goal that was kind of set out for it but i don't know do you guys feel the same way I remember Neil talking talking after the round to you. First of all, I think the big takeaway you you hit on it is just like, oh, this was this they're supposed to have a Ryder Cup here. Like this is this is a Ryder Cup place. There's tons of space. It's you know places to put tents. It's fairly kind of unimaginative type of it golf. It felt like Hazeltine. It it did feel like Hazeltine. And I remember talking to you, Neil, after we both walked off. It it reminded me weirdly of when you go through the customs line at the airport. 
And it's just, they're asking you very straightforward questions. Just like, why are you here? Where did you come from? And you just fucking freak out. You know, you're just, uh, uh, it's, well, it's a, it's a golf trip, but it's like, uh, it's not, it's not really for work. Uh, yeah. Well, I work in golf, but this is, this is a summer thing for us. I don't know what's the camera for. Uh, you just take some pictures. Just yeah. Take pictures. And, and it, it was kind of that, like there, there was no tricks to it. And you just, all of a sudden you're like, Oh God, I'm, I'm 22 over par through, uh, you know, through 12 holes here. Like what, what's, what's going on? I remember Randy Rand, there was a, there was that big, big long par five. With number, your- yeah. Number 13. It's a mirror <laughs> image of Bay Hill. Number five. Like it's just, it, it's number like, a, it's truly like Robert Trent Jones. Like, Oh, you guys want some American golf? <laughs> Check this shit out. <laughs> and Randy, Randy is just navigating his way up the thing and just he's like, fuck this, man. This is this is awful. Like, what are we doing here? And and this is after we went, we went by the halfway house and just gorged ourselves on waffles. They <laughs> think these unbelievable waffles at the halfway house with all sorts of fresh whipped cream and preserves and all this stuff. And then we're playing with Willie Showman, who's who's like the one of their big, you know, broadcasters in Sweden. And he's like, Yeah, like you guys are you guys are about to get kicked in the face these next like six holes. I, I likened uh Bruhoff Slut or however you say it to something say like everyone pick a meal at a restaurant that you just like wouldn't order, right? Like for me, like it's probably like the veal, right? Yeah, I just want I'm never gonna order the veal. Like that's just not what I prefer. But like if I was served the veal and I ate it, I'd be like, wow, that was actually like, that was, that was pretty good for veal for like, not what I ordered. Like it still is pretty good. I, I, I liked Brohoff slot more than I thought I would being extremely well aware that this is not like my favorite style of golf course and not like what I travel to go experience in a different country yet found, well, I mean, it was very pure and I found the greens very interesting in terms of it encouraged you to be very aggressive because there were so many humps and bumps and quadrants and spines in the middle of the greens that it wasn't like, oh, if you bail out here, dude, you're, your ball's going to like carry down a ridge to a different part of the green that's going to be like a 50-foot putt. It's not like a simple 25-footer you're leaving yourself here. And I found that part of the challenge to be quite enjoyable. Um, again, not not like what is I'm screaming and I'm demanding when I see when I, the menu comes out. It's not what I look for when I get the menu. But I thought it accomplished what it was trying to accomplish. And I, I don't want to dump too hard on Brohoffsla. For sure. I, I think the weirdest disconnect for me was, you know, sticking with your menu analogy was just walking off and be like, yeah, yeah, like that's, you're American. Like that's what you like, man. Like, and it's just, it would be like if we showed up, you know, and and they're like, oh, you guys are from America. We brought you, you know, here's a six pound cheeseburger and some some French fries. This is what no, you like guys a, like, a right? Big hunk of like, you know, pot roast <laughs> or or like barbecue from Austin, Texas. It's like, no, no, I came. I want the fish, guys. Like, I want, you know, what do you guys do locally? Like, that's kind of, you know, but uh, but, Tali, I agree with you completely. Like, it it's setting out to do, you know, brawny American golf, and I think it does it well. I was gonna say, yeah, right? do just, that and do it bad too, right? There's there's yeah. there's yeah, there's fun, interesting, quirky golf is one category, and there's like championship golf. And then in the championship golf category, there's bad and there's like good. And I would put this in the good in the good department. It didn't inspire anything within me, but I think overall good. It was catch base base and niche, of course, out there, but uh there was some there was some some good there. Well, TC, it reminded me a ton of Grand National in Alabama, right? On yeah. the on the Robert Trent Jones trail. And it's like <laughs> Cool. I can go to Alabama to play that, right? But like, yeah, it's still like it's doing it. It's doing it right. Like that's a you you know almost a 
it is what it's supposed to be. I think you guys have it nailed. Uh, I would say big points. The clubhouse is literally a castle from uh, the late 19th century, which is very cool. So slut, slut means castle in Swedish. Yes. The points I want to make are it, it was in fantastic condition. It was a very cool, unique setting for the golf course. And I, I personally, I judge golf courses like when I walk off 18 is like, did I enjoy playing golf here? And my answer is no at BHS because it just exposes every weakness of my game, which to your guys's points, like that's exactly what it's trying to do. So you, you tip your hat and, you know, I tell myself, remind myself, like you're not a very good golfer, but just in juxtaposition with Stockholm golf club, like that's a course I walk off and like, man, that's a lot of fun. You know, I, I hit some bad shots, but I'm not going to be deathly punished for it. You, you get some fun recovery shots. So I, what I like about golf, I would go play Stockholm golf club uh, instead of Brohoff slope. Which I think there's a definite disconnect between like the rankings and that, yeah. right? Where like, because this is like the de facto. Which is in America as, as well. Number one yeah. ranked golf course in Sweden since like the early 2000s. Yeah. You know, for 20 years. But also like there's some really good brawny, like you said, you know, par fives out there. The finishing stretch was really fun. That like kind of peninsula green, and then the yeah, the little, that was number uh, fifteen, uh, par five along the lake. It is a stunning hole, uh, but like you know, it punish. It's just water completely down the left side, playing out into this like jagged peninsula, elevated green that sits out in the lake, and it's just like it's just a massive challenge. It's an execution challenge of like, yo, can you flight an iron to a fifteen yard wide green? in the wind like ah, you know maybe like 30 percent of the time i can you know otherwise it's like oh, i'll just take double and go there's so many awkward layups out there too yeah like you didn't yes. know where to lay up to out there and then neil my my highlight of the day was was you on 18 hell yeah uh, just <laughs> willie's like hey you should go for it <laughs> no no spoiler we'll we'll uh we'll let that one speak for itself but another another classic you know Robert Trent Jones Jr. Like y'all want to see some American shit? 17's at Island Green, right? Like, yeah, come check this out. You know, it's like it was. There were some template vibes of like modern American brawny golf courses out there. You got Bay Hill, you got Stadium Course. I saw a couple par threes that reminded me of Muirfield Village on the front. Like, you know, th there's just a. This is what you guys see on TV in America. Let's import it here. Yeah, not to yeah. not to be a, you know, a snob, but. Not a lot of, I don't think they found a lot of holes out there. I think they've made a lot of holes out there. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's, some people like that. But I'm with you, Randy. It's just not, not my cup of tea. We also caught it on kind of a gray day, too. The castle course looks sick. Uh, yeah, it was also a little bit disconcerting, like like going out there and seeing all these RVs. <laughs> you got like the, by far the most expensive course in the entire country. It's like $225 to play so whatever the equivalent yeah of that but is. i would love to embed with the rv golfers like, oh i know it was just such an interesting juxtaposition awesome and, out there and very quickly banging clubhouse food as well yes yeah. <laughs> after you know bhs uh we <laughs> we had a wonderful night in the archipelago and then we made our way uh south down the coast took a car ferry which was a highlight of the trip for me over to the island of Gotland, 
where you get got, where you pick up if you were a Viking, where you pick up a, uh, a, a boat captain, a mercenary to go pillage across the Baltic Sea. A lot of history. And if you're over 30, big, big week for big week for the over 30s as well. That's right. To pick up it, something else. It was, uh, and we, we ended up in the town of Visby. Uh, Tron, why don't you take us to Visby? Yeah, this was, I think Visby was by far my favorite course of the trip. We went down to, what was that, Ninasham to take a ferry out. The ferry is delightful. You know, Big was reading, he took a snooze. We did some stuff up on the top deck, did some interview stuff up on the top deck. Yeah, then kind of probably 20, 25 minute drive down to the the uh, golf course. And we stayed in some, a few of us glamped uh, on the beach at uh, the Surf Lodge. And then a few others were down the street at the Tofta Garden Hotel, uh, which we had dinner that night. And it was like a, it felt like we were in like Manhattan Beach or the Hamptons. The service staff was exponentially cooler than I will ever be. The sun setting, they're wearing sunglasses to 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 fight because their future's so bright. They're just whipping up these gin gin and tonics, and uh, it was it was a, a a vibe out there at the at the Tofu Beach House. I don't throw this word around lightly. I know it's it's a woefully overused word. It's the coolest restaurant I've ever been to in my life. Yes, uh, like period point blank. We were not the coolest, but the restaurant. Was no, 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 no. The, it, it was almost intimidatingly cool. Well, no, it's the kind of place that, that you would you would truly stand in a line for four hours to get into here in the yes. U.S. You know, and 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 then you would it, you'd be like standing like shoulder to shoulder with people. It was like, oh my god, I actually get to experience something this cool without feeling like I don't belong here, which was awesome. And gin and tonics were a big theme of the trip. I think we, we had some great gin and tonics the first night when we got to Stockholm and, and it just continued on. But uh, as cool as that restaurant was and, and the whole glamping experience and everything, the golf course was even cooler. That place, that's up there for me as far as like, and I, and I know Randy feels the same. Like that's, that's a place where I could go play every day for the rest of my life and be happy. And we were there, we tee off. Uh, we see Alex Noren rolling around on his golf cart with his with his, uh, I think it was the U.S. Open Callaway bag that they did. He rolls up. Oh, we're like, oh my God, Noren's here. Da 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 da. He rolls he's up. Kicks all his ass. He rolls up to us on like fifteen or sixteen t. Puts his hand out, and we're like, oh, dude, let's go grab a beer afterwards. Oh, no, he did. He said, hey, him. I heard you've been talking shit. <laughs> yeah, I know you. Why, why you been acting so messed up to me? <laughs> What's your problem? What's your problem, dog? I I do want. I think it is time uh, for you guys to apologize <laughs> because. When we did bring up the OWGR discussion with Norin, I simplified. Here's exactly what I think the OWGR's overrated European players. You unfortunately have been kind of the poster boy for that because of and Lahiri. And Lahiri. And Lahiri. You're not the only one, but your name has come up a lot and has given off the impression that, uh, that I hate you for some reason. And uh, his response <laughs> to all that was. Yeah, you're right. The OW, he agreed with me on the OWGR point. So that will be it. I am officially resting my case uh, when it comes to Alex Norman. Couldn't have been a more delightful person, which I think I've maintained from day one. This is never about Mr. Norin, but I'm glad we could find some very common ground that he agreed that he was an overrated player at one point in the world, which is, gosh, if, I thought this would feel way better than it does. I really did. It was just too painful to get here. 
two two peaks for me in the, in the Noren discourse over the last five years would be obviously this this uh, stunning conclusion on the island of Gotland <laughs> did not see that coming, and the the previous highlight for me at Neil I know it is for you as well is when we we're out at the, uh, the Phoenix Open. <laughs> And we're inside the ropes on the 16th hole, and and these great guys from Minnesota are in the front row, just blowing Solly up for like four straight hours. And they had the high ground; they're like ten feet up, <laughs> looking straight down on Solly. Hey, Solly, what's your Noren take? What was that Noren take, Solly? Just relentless. It uh, went on for like three and a half minutes. <laughs> oh, it was so good. It was so good. Noren was such a, he had his kids out there on the putting green. He, he green, was such a gentleman. It was totally <laughs> He's such a gentleman. He spends weeks every summer out there. I, like, I guess his, his whole family bought, bought houses out there and it's just the coolest Island. And then you get to this. But golf wait, course. on that front, remember, remember when he left, he was a reserve for the open championship and uh, on the Tuesday yeah. flew to Barracuda because he got in there and we were like, what is he? Th-? He would have got in the open. Like, what are you thinking, man? We were, I was definitely questioning what he was thinking. And we asked him about it. He's like, yeah, I mean, otherwise I was going to have to go play like Detroit or something else. And uh, I really wanted a vacation here uh, those two weeks. So I went and played Barracuda. He literally was like, he was like, look around. Like, why, why wouldn't I just like, I want to be here as much as I can. Like, yeah, I mean, playing the open's great, but like, I got to play somewhere that week. So I had to take the sure thing. And then, yeah, like you say, finished, finished second. And then was able to take those weeks off and vacation and, and on Gotland. You know, Steve Aoki's playing down the street. <laughs> just, I mean, it's like the coolest place in the world. And then, and then you, we haven't even talked about the golf course yet. It's, it's, in, it's insane. And it, it like, it's like a little bit out of, it was built in like the fifties, early sixties. And then they kind of kept adding on to it. Pierre Folke has been doing work on it now. They've got this unbelievable greenskeeper, Petter, Lindblad. It feels like it's part out of like the sand belt, you know, part out of, you know, England, and then part like on Mars. I just, it's describe crazy. It. I, like, I don't even yeah, know where to describe it. Is it Lynx? Is it Heathland? Is it Forest? Well, they've got like the flash face bunkers. So it's firm. You know, it plays very firm. It plays like, it plays very Heathlandy. Uh, and it's, it's a very unique setting as far as the the geology of the place like they can't really figure out where the island came from because it doesn't match up geologically talking to pierre about that uh it doesn't really match up like with anything else in the baltic so they think it kind of like fell off of pangea and then when everything moved around it was just kind of this little orphan and it somehow ended up in the middle of the baltic it stays warmer there year round uh because it's surrounded by you know this large mass of water flash like flash kind of face bunkers that greens roll right into in a place where it's got really cool bones, but they're not too proud to rethink holes and constantly improve it. And constantly uh, it's tight. You, like it's, you know, it's linksy, but you know, you've got to, you got to manage your way around and then you go through spots on the back nine and you feel like you're playing through Heathland, you know, forested stuff. Uh, it, it, it was just such a wild adventure playing golf there. I know that the sixth hole was very polarizing for the group, but, um, you know, Randy, what'd you think? Cause, cause you were pretty taken aback by it too. I loved it. And again, it's a place I didn't know anything about. The setting is just so picturesque, the little clubhouse right on the water, a lot of stonework uh, around the, the clubhouse and the course. 
you know, so it starts with a par three. Number one is is like a hundred and depending on what tees you're playing it, but it, it's like a mid to shorter iron par three, and I I think that just announces itself as like it's going to be a little bit of a of a different type of course, and it just carried through, right? You you mentioned the the six hole, the par five, super quirky, probably not anything an architect would would dream up today but the whole course was kind of in comparing it to brohoff slute i i thought visby it it was it was challenging without being like and dj you can maybe give a, a different uh take on on this opinion but I, but i thought visby you you can there's a way to play each hole, right? Like if I, I maybe I'm taking iron off the tee and I'm just getting my ball in play and then I can run something up greenside. I guess what I'm trying to say is there, there were a lot of different ways I felt to attack the holes and um, it, it didn't yeah. require that I hit a 260 drive over water to this point, uh, which I, I feel like Brohoff Sloot is, is a little bit asking you to do time and again. And so... You can try a lot of different little shots, and the greens were exceptional. I I don't know. Yeah, I was walking, you know, down the back nine, and it's just like, man, this golf course is everything that I love about golf courses. And like for that reason, I, like it's it's got to be in the top. I don't know, put a number on it, but I, it's like one of my five favorite courses I've ever played, just for. The variety of of what the place is, what it presents, and how you can go about playing it. So I, I mean, I was completely taken by it. But DJ, I know you had a little different experience playing. I'm, and I'm curious how how that colors your perception of Visby. Well, I cannot say this loudly enough up front. It's a me problem, like for sure. And I, this isn't really a spoiler. It's, you know, some days you play good and some days you play bad. I played very bad. I was, it was a, uh, almost an out of body experience. It reminded me a lot of the day at Pinehurst number three, when we, when we did tour sauce, when there's, there's like three to four days a year where I'll get up to the first tee and it's like invasion of the body snatchers. And I'm just like, I don't know who is home right now. This is, there's somebody else pulling the strings. Like, I don't know what my golf swing is doing. And so I had like a debilitating pull hook going on and it was blowing pretty good, like 20, 25. And so anything into the wind was just like, this is going to go 600 yards left. Like this has no fucking chance. So all of that is to say it was one of those days that like if I wasn't playing golf and I was just out there walking, maybe maybe I in a in a perfect world, I would have been out there with like camera and a cup of coffee, taking some stills, walking with my buds, having having just a great day. And in that case, it would have been a real top five golf experience for me as well. But playing as bad as I did, it was it was not fun for me. But again, that's a me problem. Having said that, and Solly, please allow me to alley-oop you here. The six-hole fucking stinks. It was really stupid, and it was very, very, very bad. I think even if you are Alex Noren and uh, you know one of the top 50 golfers in the world, I still don't really I see don't how... I, I still don't really see uh, see a path to victory on that hole. And Randy, of course, you made five, so you can flaunt that in my face if you like. Uh, but Pumpy it just five. was not a good golf hole. 
Solly or Deej, please describe the hole, and then I would like to make a counterpoint. I would like to say I birdied the hole, and it stakes. It's a par five that is a beautiful. Like it's it's beautiful. It rests up against uh, the. It's like Cypress yeah, it's Point. Great, great, great place to walk. Great yeah. place to walk. Way too. Don't narrow. need to play golf there. Way too narrow of a golf hole, and there's no real way to nowhere to hit a driver. And laying back with iron doesn't necessarily like open up a lot of options. It's just like truly survive the tee shot with like an iron. And because because it snaps so hard to the left, it, it's such a sharp dog leg and it's so tight that even if you do lay back with an iron or, for instance, you fucking stink like me and you can't hit your driver far enough, then you would like have no chance to to hit that layup either. So it's like you're either trying to fit a driver that's like north of 290 into this little corridor or you're trying to like lay back and then you can't hit the second shot in play tc shout out tc almost hit it into the russian peninsula over there is a little left and he's trying to lay up wait not on film you might have to dig that clip up because i i'm standing up there spotting tc second and he thinks he's just put one like in the hole and it is like miles into the yards into the sea like like and he's like, what? what? He's looking at me like, no way, man. I saw, oh, I, I hooked the heck out of it. Like, I, I absolutely clipped it, covered the ball. It's it's moving right to left pretty steadily. And Neil's no like, what the fuck? We yelled back doing? to him, like, yeah, it's, it's in the seas. What? Like, yeah. brother, I have no way of describing how far into the sea that went. I mean, it's, imagine standing, like, imagine standing with 70 at, at Pebble Beach and aiming directly to the right. And hitting like a five iron out there, like that's how far into the sea that ball went. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was, it should have been so cool. That whole, like it, that whole part of the property was the cool, the whole before it was really, really cool. And so we, we debated a lot of this stuff on the trip and how uh, it, it was a great opportunity for a really fun par five that's just like way too narrow. But, My counterpoint is it goes back to what I said about, about Stockholm is, they take their par fives, three shot par fives seriously and any means necessary to make that happen. And, and I, there's something I appreciate about that. It's like, there is a way to play the hole. You just, you play it with three shots. You, you, you take your medicine. And I thought the setting of the hole was gorgeous. And I think something that I loved about Visby, can I, I felt it at other places because the take your medicine is still extremely dangerous. Like hitting six iron it off the tee is still like, it takes a very skilled golfer to execute that shot. Like there's, there's not like a shot there for like a 10 handicap, much less like a 22 handicap. Like I, I Randy, you made, you made five. How did you, how five did you iron do it? off the tee and then hit a pitching wedge for my second shot and then had like a, was that fun? <laughs> yeah. I mean, hearing you guys bitch about it. Yeah. It's really fun. <laughs> yeah. I think the defense rests. Randy, yeah. I'm with you. I think there is a way to play it. It's it's just, I know. I, I get a little uneasy when it's like, well, yeah. it should be wider so I can fit dry. Like, no, dude, the hole's the hole. Like it's up to you to figure out how to play it. And that's up to me whether sure. or not I like it. And I don't. <laughs> There's a couple things generally about Visby though that I, I I feel is one, it reminds me of uh it, it's it's pretty scruffy in places. Um Pacific Grove comes to mind. Maybe that's with the lighthouse and just the fact yeah. that it feels almost homegrown. And uh, I was shocked when they when I found out it was, you know, it's only been around since the 50s or 60s. Like, it feels like it's been around for 100 years. And so I think there's like this added, it's almost a feeling you get of nostalgia or like, man, this feels so old. It feels like it was, it's been here forever. And, it, and I just appreciate a course that 
is able to do that in a short period of time. Um, and just, uh, I think what's what Randy's saying, like, it's hard to, to describe what, what it is, but it's just a feeling you get. And the, the, the corner of the course that I got that feeling was number 16 and number 18 on the back nine, 16 long par five. Sally and I, we've argued about if this is a good hole or not. I, I just thought it was such an epic setting. You hit up over this hill, it's dog leg, right. And then you come down and you, you get to the top of this hill and you're hitting this long second shot. Uh, down to this green where a, a creek comes up the left and then cuts across the fairway to the right. And you just get a, a really picturesque view through the trees and down this chute of, uh, of the Baltic. And it just, that whole kind of sums up the, the vibe or just like, man, I, I just was, I, I went again, around again for uh, nine holes in the afternoon. And I was just, I couldn't wait to get to that spot again. Um, and then number 18 is a par five that, you know, looks a lot like uh, 18 at Pebble Beach, right? With the way that it, it dog legs left around the water. There's a beach down there. You got to hit a really, you know, really good drive off the tee. And then it's a really exciting second shot into a green that kind of sits back in this corner next to the clubhouse. So which, which used to be used to be number one, by the way, which that yeah. 18th hole used to be number one. It was like voted one of the best opening holes in, in Sweden. So it took some some stones for Pierre Fulke to kind of reverse that and make it uh par five 18th. Yeah. So some of it for me is just the setting, right? Like totally. I, I don't know if there, it's just a feeling you get in certain parts of a course that's like, man, this is like, I cannot wait to get back to these spots. They've added some new holes too. Like that. I think what was that four? like they're, three, I think they're building a new third hole four. they is par five. They added that five and seven are both par threes that were really, really cool. Par threes, very dynamic. Um, and then, like Randy, to your point, I thought eight and nine like totally summed up exactly what you were saying about. There's so many different ways to get the ball in the hole on those on, on those two holes. Like on nine, you could bang driver up towards the green. You could hit seven iron off the tee, and you're probably gonna be faced with unique challenges on both of those uh, cool greens. And like they were, they were the probably the best greens we played on the entire trip, in my opinion, as far as smoothness. Ten's an awesome par five like you gotta you gotta get creative and then i don't know i just i i love the place it was like a jigsaw puzzle and you're just trying to figure it out and you immediately want to go back out. it was very much like as soon as we pulled up especially like coming off brohoff slot was very much of uh ah, like this is it all right this is the jam like this is what we this is what we came to do like this is a link style course the wind was whipping the natural elements of the course i thought were the best protector of it that's why I think it was too tight in some places because mostly because the winds we played in out there were 20, 25 miles an hour. And it's just, you don't need both of those things. That's like a, a double hazard, if you will. And that, that part was, I think what, where my only real beef was with the course was the tightness in about on about five or six of the holes um, that I thought there's a little more room to breathe would have made it. I like exploring golf courses. I don't necessarily love that. It don't, it doesn't mean that I have to pound driver everywhere. I just I love to have some breathing room and some chances to kind of choose where you want to go and how much risk you want to take on. And a lot of the holes really dictated what you were supposed to do on a lot of them. And that's that's the only thing that prevents me from putting it way, way. I think it was probably still my favorite golf course on the trip. I, I, I just have to throw a caution flag into the ring of some of these guys that were saying the top five course they've ever played. I, I have to I have to directly challenge some of these when Randy says it. I get it. Like I, I get like kind of the vibe of what Randy's going for, but I got to throw a, a few caution flags. If you're going to call it top five, that means you got to rank it above some of these courses. And I'm just just going to go off tourist sauce courses we've experienced together. So 
So TC, and I think Neil said this too. Do you guys say it's a top five golf course you've played? I think it's top 10 golf courses I'd want to play the rest of my life. Okay, it was top five when we did the video. <laughs> or top, yeah, yeah, I'm fine with top five. I could play there every day for the rest of my life. Okay, so if we're going, let's, let's, are you St. Andrews or Visby? I'm going okay. St. Andrews. I mean, St. Andrews is my favorite course. I, I don't want to watch his car wreck. Positiepo? Visby. <sighs> Royal Melbourne? <laughs> Royal Melbourne. Kingston Heath? <laughs> Visby. Oh, my God. Lynch. Visby. TC, come on. You need to plead the fifth here. I, I think it's, I think it's time with the ejector seat. But it's definitely above, it's definitely above Lynch. It's such an easy walk, too. It's just delightful, man. Like, I could go have fucking beers on that back porch over that lighthouse and just... Hang out out there. I don't even need to play the golf now, course. I just now we're talking. Now we're talking. Valley no. Bunyan. Keep, oh, Visby. Karn. Visby. County. I don't Spico? need to play Karn every day. Visby. North Barrick. I think. Uh, all right, I'll go North Barrick there. Dornick. That's tough. <laughs> That's tough. This is just Torosauce courses. I just have to throw a flag on the hyperbole. I, I could I could get way down on this place very much exceeded expectations. Uh I, I just was I was a stunning statement, the most stunning statement of the trip. I think But it's like I couldn't go out and play Karn every day for the rest of my life because it's I'd get my face blown off. Like I I, I couldn't go play I don't, and I don't think the statement on the trip was top five everyday course. It was like top five golf experience I've ever. No, uh, it was top five every day. Okay, we can check the tape on that. I just wanted to, I, I wanted to be aware of what classification of course you were putting this place in. What about the loop? Which makes me sound like I don't like it. Which I, it's right there with it's right there with Ely of like a course that I could play every day for the rest of my life. How do you rank it against the loop? <laughs> uh, no comment. Which direction? <laughs> We're not. We're not doing that, Randy. You're, you're confidently still saying top five with, with all those courses mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I believe. I believe you. I haven't played a lot of those that you mentioned, but I didn't even get to the band in the band in trails because I, I know that's hard to picture as the everyday. But I just wanted to. I, I think it speaks to how much you love it. If you're willing to, if you're willing to go that far out on a limb, I just want to get that documented. I, I think I had in my notes. I, I would absolutely love. Could not wait to play like 14 of the holes again. There's four. And I'm like, eh, I'm, I'm good. I went back out and played it a second time, which we played it one ups the first time, and we played the tips the second time. One ups was more than fine. Like, I, it was more interesting decisions to be made. And I will say, that I, I think to to the point to to back up Tron a little bit. I it's impossible to separate out the the reality of playing Visby as compared to like the old course where it's it's people all around you. You know, some of these more popular courses, it just is a different feeling because they're so popular. They're so crowded. You, you feel like a little bit you're you're in in sort of a factory. And Visby is like, man, we were there. We were chilling. The course was open. And I think it's like that goes a long way in reality. Three for three, too. The, the beers. On the back porch there, like that back porch, is, I think is undefeated. Yeah. Challenge flag on that one though, Randy. We had a tee off at six forty because, and then the second eighteen was at four o'clock because of how busy the tee sheet is there in the summer. Like that's a that golf booming like to the tips of the edges of islands in the in the Baltic Sea was something that a takeaway I had as well. Yeah. Pretty much everywhere we went. It was week thirty. Though. Yeah, so week thirty. All, all the singles are out the, there. 
the Very thirty true. the women over thirty go the thirtieth week of the year to uh to Gotland to Visby. Randy, are you gonna go back to, to Gotland for week thirty? <laughs> I would love to go back. <laughs> no, in all honesty, I, I think and I wanted to mention this, DJ, before we left the island, DJ and I got to go into Old Town Visby. Uh so there's like a huge wall around the the old town. And it was really cool. I mean, we only got to spend an hour there, but um, it felt like you were in an old European city, which was uh, different than where we were uh, stationed on on a different, you know, on a different part of the island. But for those that you know want the the, the touristy aspect of it, you can go to Gotland. You can stay in these delightful little inns and bed and breakfasts in the old city and. It's just magical. It was so charming. And, and not just like an old European city, like a almost like medieval <laughs> European city, right? Like it, it's, yeah. I, I think there's, I was doing some reading stuff on it. I think it's like one of the most pre- well-preserved medieval cities kind of in Europe. There's a, a massive 30-foot wall that that goes around the whole old town. Uh, if Like Neil has, has said in the past, it's just this massive Viking kind of like resupply island and and yeah fascinating place fascinating place i'm gonna go like like in the next couple years i'm gonna take my family there for vacation like i liked it that much it's just a cool place the ease of travel there too i mean those ferries were so delightful shout out to the ferries yeah it was a a what what an operation incredible system you pull the car right up you go sit in like a very comfortable like train like seat there's a uh, a bar there. There's food. There's water. There it was, it was beautiful sights. It was you almost got sad when the when it was time for the ferry to dock <laughs> because it was just a very pleasant, delightful ride. But, Perhaps the police will come. Oh yeah, that's that's a that, that might be a nest story, if you will. <laughs> a quick shout out to our friends here at BMW who continue to be great supporters of all of the no laying up content, especially Taurus providing us vehicles uh, to get around all over in Scandinavia. That's not always easy to arrange. I'm going to give a special shout out to them in terms of all the ways that they uh, support our content, support the game of golf in general, both on the men's and women's side, and uh, have put us in a position to succeed for, for many years here. And we greatly appreciate their relationship. If you thought BMW was just the ultimate driving machine, it is so much more. It's also the ultimate electric driving machine, the ultimate buddies trip machine, and the ultimate design machine because the ultimate cannot be contained to just one thing. All electric, all BMW. Visit BMWUSA.com to learn more about the iX and the i4. Let's get back to the pod. So then next day, so we kind of had a travel day built in where we had to be down in Copenhagen that evening and one or really the next morning and wanted to... I kind of put like a I Sally's always wanting to play more golf on Can't these trips. Right? <laughs> and Randy's like, yo, I do not want to play more golf. So it's kind of like trying to figure out how to bridge those two things. So I put something on the itinerary. I'm like, hey, Christian Stad is it's in Ohus or Ahus, uh, down by like the absolute headquarters, uh, where like absolute vodka was was found, kind of midway down the southeast coast of Sweden. So uh kind of about halfway between where we got off the ferry. Uh, in was that Oscar Sham and uh, Copenhagen, and so Christian Stad was purchased uh, a few years ago by our man Willie's um, Willie Showman's uh, brother-in-law, who's one of the heirs to the H and M Empire, and he's put a ton of money into it, and uh, I believe I believe Pierre's working on that as well, right? Sally? He did a lot of work on that. I think this was. 
I really love days that when you look back at them, you can definitively say, like, I will never do that again, again in my whole life. Woke up on the island of Gotland, <laughs> took a ferry to mainland Sweden, played golf into the night as the sun set uh, with some buddies in southern Sweden and drove into Copenhagen for the night. Like that just, I was in basically three different countries. It's technically two different countries, but uh, for the entire day and played 18 holes in that process. It was just a very fun, random day. And we didn't, we filmed some out there. It's not really part of the competition, but yeah, Ben, Cody and I, Went out to this course, knew knew not a not a whole lot about it. Um, it hosted the uh, what was the the a, a professional women's tournament, uh, somewhat recently. Maya Stark won. I forget the name of it. The Scandinavian mixed. Yeah. Uh, was it the mixed? I thought it was just or oh no, the mixed was somewhere else. Yeah, just I, they just have a bunch of. I can look you know, that up, but it was just a very very it was a total stunner i mean it, it's between this and visby for my favorite golf course on the trip and we got incredible light teed off at five o'clock in the evening after five o'clock there's no tee times it's you know put your ball in the in the whatever and you go play and it's very green golf course yet firm sandy soil and it it uh it, it's kind of hard to describe but the way i described it was it was a great place for like showcasing skills and that it, it was inviting it it was challenging it was like hey six five and six iron par threes but here's how you got to do it you're gonna have to land it short right of the green and you got to use these contours to like roll it up on here and then the next hole is going to be you know a, a just majestic dog like left par five around a corner with really big bold contours around the greens with like championship level slopes to it, yet not like punch you in the face difficult, not Brohoff slot soulless uh, championship golf. That might be a little harsh, but it just had a, a soul to it, yet at the same time was like very inviting and and very challenging. I mean, I, I, I was like, felt like I was playing pretty good and I was having a delightful time. I'm like, oh shit, I'm like seven over. Like it is <laughs> somehow ejecting me, but it was all of the right challenge, all the most fun kind of challenge. And um, like a, uh, there's a dogleg uh, right par for the fourth hole that is very much like, a, hey, if you want to hit like a hybrid or a three iron or something out into this fat part of the fairway and hit like a medium iron in, you totally can. Or as it doglegs to the right, it wraps around trees and it narrows. And you can try to jam like a wood into that area if you'd like to and have a wedge, but that's your own risk. The other option is extremely safe. And it was just kind of that kind of decision making that was super encouraging. And the first 12 holes were just, I mean, we were totally smitten, kind of like a sending text to you guys like, holy shit, guys, this is really, really good. And I think I had reached the conclusion that I loved it before the finishing stretch, which I think got actually got a little bit quirky, a little bit weird with some ponds and some creeks kind of running through the holes at kind of really awkward spots that, you know, I didn't think it finished very nearly as strong. It's probably the more picturesque part of the golf course, but uh, first 12 holes of this thing. I mean, we were just uh, just grinning ear to ear. It was a, a freeing, fun evening uh, playing into the summer light. And uh, we got Max Burgers on the way out. That was the only fast food place we could find. They did not want to be filmed on camera. That was uh, somebody came out to our car and asked what we were planning to do with that footage as we waited for the food. But um, <laughs> had my, I think my favorite hole in the, on the trip, the seventh hole is dog like right par four. Uh, with a shared green with a 13th green, which is also a drivable par four with this huge like half pipe kicker uh, in the middle of it, separating out the two greens, even though it's one green with all these cool quadrants and pop bunkers near it. And oh gosh, we just had an awesome time. It's going to pop really well on video. And uh, I cannot say enough great things about it. It's it's very, I, I struggled to describe it. It was like linksy, but not in championship, but not. It was like a combination of the best parts of both of those worlds. Yeah, Pear was, he was, when I was asking him about courses in Sweden, he was very much like, 
yo, this is the best course in the country, in my opinion. And like, this is not to be missed. So making sure that we got at least one car full of guys there was, was essential. Yeah. And Ben almost hit me with a shank on the very first hole, which was sick. And it was like, I was moving out of the way to the right. So as I was getting out of the way, the ball was curving towards me. And I had like the moment where it all clicked for me very quickly into how unathletic I now am. Like <laughs> my 23 year old body would have had no problem getting out of the way of this ball. And I had to do like a matrix jump front dive onto my own stomach to avoid hitting this ball. And I will remember that in the first fairway is where I realized I was old. Is I that on camera? <laughs> no, I wish we had that one. Uh, I, actually, I'm glad we don't have that one because that would uh, be, it was pretty humiliating. So we drove down to Copenhagen that evening, kind of got there at varying times. We had a really nice dinner in Copenhagen that night. Uh, and then we stayed at the Hotel Kong Arthur. Uh, kind of the over, Donkey Kong Arthur. Yeah, Donkey Kong Arthur, kind of northwest side of the city. Uh, Copenhagen, I need to get back there like mm. ASAP. What a vivacious place. Uh, a lot more like, you know, unrestrained than Stockholm. Now, granted, some of that was just because everybody was on vacation in Stockholm, but Copenhagen feels like if Stockholm and Amsterdam had a baby. Yeah. Yeah, it's referred to a lot as a sister city to Amsterdam, if you will. So no shock that I was smitten and riding bikes around the city with Neil was one of my highlights of the trip, honestly, of, of just... The, the connectivity with the culture and the cities of Europe, uh, part of this trip was uh, just a huge, huge bonus. I'd been to Copenhagen before. I've been to Stockholm before. But when you when I lived in Europe, I was kind of dull to my senses in terms of the architecture and the culture because I just saw it almost every weekend. And coming and revisiting these places from the States just like reminded me of how special they are, how uh, how cool and fun, different, exciting those cultures are. Like it, it, culture shock is kind of a... It's not how I would describe those cultures, but it's just different. It's a totally different way of going about life. People look different. They talk different. They act different. They they do their restaurants different. They do their drinks different. They do their coffee different. Everything's just a little bit different. And I felt that nowhere better than than Copenhagen. That place we went to dinner, uh, restaurant bar, like that scene down by the river and all the people out on their bikes and and uh, things like that. It, it it hit a lot of different different senses for me. And allow me to be the first, the first person to say Copenhagen restaurant scene very solid. I know that's a, I know that's a controversial take. And but I I'm, feel like more people should talk about there. the food in Cape Copenhagen. It seems like it's like really good. <laughs> it's on the come up. Yeah, I, I agree, Randy. One thing that we're trying to make sure that too of like we have a tendency, we're getting better at it. I think with each passing season, is just you know, spending multiple nights in one hotel room and not having to, you know, pack up multiple times, uh, you know, like more than necessary. So we stayed, what, three nights in Copenhagen, I think, and commuted kind of, you know, there's not a whole lot of golf near Copenhagen. So you kind of have to, uh, like on the way over, craziest thing about Copenhagen to me was the the bridge tunnel, the Orsund connection there, uh, you know, like this crazy long bridge. And then you go to this man-made island and then you go underground into this tunnel and it's like $65 to go through it. I mean, the toll is crazy. So the next morning we went to Great Northern, which is like an hour and a half, almost two hours west of Copenhagen, northwest of Copenhagen. And uh, you go, you go over another big, like massive, massive bridge there, but this was our one round in Denmark. Neil, you want to take us there? I would love to. Just a note, you know, on the infrastructure side, whether big or small, the Danes, they take their infrastructure seriously. 
I didn't realize that the uh, continental Europe was not connected to Scandinavia until uh, the year 2000 when they built that bridge. Until that big-ass bridge went in. If you think about the economic impact of that, the toll seems somewhat reasonable. But Great Northern, owned by the heirs to the Lego family, which is the uh, Christensen family. I think it's the fourth generations running the company now. And they've built Great Northern as a golf uh, resort. And I think it, it... the word that summed it up for me a little bit was like theme park, or that's two words, but we'll use theme park as a, a two word description because it was, I don't know, it was uh, similar to what we said about, uh, you know, Brohoff Sloot. It, it's big, it's brash, it's bold, but I thought it was a much more creative. It wasn't importing, uh, you know, golf from another country. It was taking that style of golf and, and really putting a, a Danish stamp on it. Uh, whether that was with the architecture, uh, one of the best spas I've ever been to, which we can we can get into later. It's in a Danish town, uh, Kurtaminde, which is there's no way I pronounce that properly. It's about two <laughs> hours west of Copenhagen. Very very rural. Felt like uh, you know uh, countryside uh, for sure. Rolling hills and the course plays kind of up this one large hill. Both the front nine and the back nine both play up this hill, and it reminded me of like going up a roller coaster. And then you're up there for a minute, you're playing across the, the peak, you're getting a great view of the property, of the surrounding land, and then it's just like Mad Max coming back down the hill into this uh, kind of bird sanctuary, you know, wetland area. And the, you know, the, the risk-reward shots, the, you know, you're hitting over water, you're hitting the island greens. It's just very, very, like, uh, sensory overload, I guess, is, is how I felt hitting a lot of the shots out there. And it didn't feel like any expense was spared on – you know, the nuts and bolts of building a golf course. So technically a Jack Nicklaus, Nicklaus design. I think Dick Bouts was the man on the ground uh, for the uh, the uh, Nicklaus design company. It seems like, like the European dude. Yeah, he I runs a lot of the European stuff uh, from from what I've read. It, it I also got a little bit of a feel being there that they, you know, Nicklaus and Nicklaus designs did a lot of the foundational work, which is really, really good. Like the you could just sense that, you know, when you're, kind of in a building or on, or even like a good example would be like Denver airport. It's like, this place is like overbuilt. You know what I mean? Like there, it's no expenses spared on like the stuff you can't see. I, I had that feeling a lot at uh, great Northern. It's like e- it eating, like, eating lunch inside of a Yeti cooler. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> just over-engineered would be a good word for it. Like no expense was spared on like, let's do it right. The first time let's overbuild this thing. Uh, it, and, and I, you know, that's, that's fun to see. And then you can see the Nicholas influence, um, specifically, I think 15 felt like a, you know, straight out of Muirfield village, but then there's a lot of other parts of the course where you almost sense that like, as the course was being built, the, uh, the owners were like, yeah, listen, we got it from here. Like <laughs> we, we like, we build Lego lands. We, we create this stuff. Like we're good, so there it, it felt very unique and not quite all the way Nicholas, if that makes sense. But I overall, like I probably went in uh, expecting it not to be the style of golf that I liked, and I walked away saying, "What a fun round!" Would can't wait to get back, and just the whole experience was very unique, and and I loved it. I had in in my notes, it, it felt like if. Chambers Bay and PGA National had a kid, and then that kid grew up and started hanging out with Pete Dye. It was like <laughs> there was a lot of shit going on, and I, I'm with you, Neil. And like it, it, it shouldn't have worked, 
and it should have been like so disjointed and weird and like what is this and i fucking loved it it was it was so fun yeah that was how i was i i I didn't really know what to expect i was like all right we're gonna go to the spa afterwards if this place is 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 good we'll kind of lean into it if it's not good we'll lean into the spa and all our stuff in copenhagen and we played golf in denmark and the first few holes i felt like i was in nebraska or chambers bay like you said like you know kind of working our way up this big hill and there's no trees and there's all these native grasses and then you start coming down the hill and then you you know you come down the hill and like the <laughs> hardest par fours in the world <laughs> and like we had the toughest pins i also day. thought i was gonna have a heart and attack walking up those first two holes <laughs> seriously like straight up well i mean it was it was pretty fucking steep i mean not literally i didn't think i was gonna have a heart attack but it was it was a punch in the mouth wa- walking up those first two holes there's something nice about let's get it out of the way early in yeah. these nine hole. Loops. I love your roller coaster like, analogy. It's great. Coming downhill, man. Yeah. Like let's let's go get it, and that can get you in trouble out there because, like <laughs> TC said, there's a lot more trouble coming down the hill than there is going up the hill. Uh, but I thought the, the the that was a cool vibe. And then like you get de- like kind of down to the flat part, and then I felt like I was at Sawgrass or PGA or like uh, Lake Golf National. <laughs> uh down there we're like i mean shit like the ninth hole was this this par three over water and like you had to hit like it was like a hundred and what it was like 170 yards or like the you know the pin was like 172 yards and you had to hit like a 170 yard shot and it couldn't be 169.8 and it couldn't be like 174 because you were gonna go off the back it was you had to hit like 172 yard shot. It's like a it Harbor crazy. Town shot without the trees surrounding it, basically. And it was yeah. it was very much a, a a nightmare shot for a right hander, which is the further right you go, the longer the carry and the more likely to go in the water. And if you pull it, you're long left very, very quickly. That hole was that's where it just it's amazing. You talk about those uphill holes. I thought the uphill holes were freaking awesome. Yeah, they were sweet too. holes. Like they were they tied into the the, the terrain really well. I thought they used the elevation in, in certain spots as a great feature of the course. And then, yeah, you get to like a, a six-hole stretch that, that is just like totally and completely different. It, the, the water parts felt unnecessary to me. Like it felt like more uh, the Aaron Hills style part of it, which I've never played Aaron Hills, but that's kind of what it felt like at times. That's like that was vibing with that. And then you get to holes with waterfalls and creeks and then just a total Pete Dye uh experience there for three four holes or something like that then it's back to being aaron hills again it was just it was very uh schizophrenic to me and there was about 12 holes that i greatly greatly enjoyed and six that i'm just like i'm not sure that really fits in here how about this those swans (laughs) i think it's worth mentioning also we had like a pretty calm day out there like there's nothing blocking the wind and that place has to whip i would guess most days a year that it's it's probably whipping out there and that stretch of like Four, five, six, seven would have been mucho not fun in in the wind. Some cool brawny par fives down there, like that one without the bunkers. Was that 14? Mm-hmm. 14, I think. Straight, like this, you know, spiraling par five, dog leg left, just kept going. And then you hit into, like, it just keeps ripping around, ripping around down this hill. And then it's like an infinity green with the rest of the property kind of framed behind it. Um, that was a, a, a really, it was just really fun golf. Even the water holes, Sally, I, I think. There's a factor there of it's almost so over the top. Some of these island greens and and how big the you know the, the, it's very wide, and these big lakes with this beautiful clubhouse in the background, very memorable shots. Like I, I can't help it. It's just like man, I will you know I will remember the 18th hole there. Like it's hard to like I could 
close my eyes and picture it, right? And there's something to be said for that. If you're trying to put golf on the map or build like a statement piece in, you know, of golf in your country, I, I think they've accomplished that there. Uh, on the architecture side, I, I, you know, driving into Copenhagen, you can tell architecture is something they take very seriously and, and modern architecture and talking to the GM. You're talking like building architecture, not, not golf architecture. Yeah, building architecture yeah. and how thoughtful they were with the clubhouse, the design of it, you know, very geometric and the way when you walk into the entryway, it's glass, these massive windows, floor to ceiling on on both sides. And when the pin is like in the middle of nine green and then behind over the lake in the middle of eight green, that all lines up perfectly with the the sliding glass doors, like little things like that. You're like, whoa, I mean, that's like. That's that's a lot to uh, to take in, and I I just appreciated how thoughtful all of the the resort aspects of it were. Um, not just like let's not make it like five star amenity wise. Let's make it like really thoughtful artwork as far as the architecture. I, just to piggyback on that, Neil, when we arrived, asked for coffee. They brought uh, French press coffee, which is a first for me anywhere in in the world. Uh, you know, golf course coffee, French press was okay. This place is really nice. I, it was really strange. I, I was trying to think about like what the whole property reminded me of and the architecture, the buildings. It almost felt like Ex Machina, uh, the the movie where, um, <laughs> to your point, Neil, like the glass and everything kind of lining up and it and it just looks perfect. And we'll get into the spa here, the, the spa kind of continued that and i i really dig it in that we were there for a day and we got like the awesome experience but i can't help like there's just this sense like underlying kind of like x mark like what's going on here is there something dark happening somewhere in this property yeah so i i, I really enjoyed that feeling like it, it felt like that without being cold and, and like Johan was just the man. <laughs> I think it's worth mentioning all of this too is against the backdrop of like Neil, you mentioned this is like a very small, seemingly. I mean, we kind of just drove in, drove out. It's not like we explored all that much, but pretty small rural town about like two hours from Copenhagen. I think it's where the Christiansons grew up, right? So you kind of go and you know, you make all this money at at Lego and then you come back and put this absolutely world-class facility like on one hand might feel a little out of place but on the other hand it's like what a cool thing to bring back to your hometown and you know we mentioned the spa a couple times like they intentionally keep the spa very very affordable so that you know it's it's kind of available to all residents it's not just for all out-of-town tourists it's just a really it's an awesome way to to go about it and also i want to make sure you guys are monitoring you know all this lego talk did you guys monitor the uh, on the trap draw the the Lego conversation about them pulling out of Russia and having to rename all their stores? World of Blocks. I just I just no. want to make sure you guys got that on your next agenda. What a cool! I mean, like Lego. Like we are like we're like the one of the the coolest toy company yeah. in the world. You know, just it's what a best. cool company. I don't know. Massive Lego guy. Yes, Lo- love Legos. Randy, to your point, like I don't know if I would want to live in a house that was designed like. Uh, great northern but like as an experience for a resort like the the architecture i found it uh you know very stimulating very interesting and i just love it when there's a story like there's a purpose behind the building not just like we want this to look five star like no we've we've 
we've really tried to think of everything here. Yeah. Which, you know, like feels like how you when you open up an awesome, you know, Lego box, you know, it's like, oh my God, look, they thought of everything, you know, on this on this police station or this uh, you know, this robotics set that they built. So I, I thought it was a good um embodiment of just the Lego culture in golf. So I'm I'm glad it's there and I'm glad we got to see it. Even 18, like Island Green par five finisher. It was Fucking epic. Sweet. Like I'll never, it's hard. You, you just will never forget the, those holes. Even if they're overdone too much, you know, little, maybe a little too hard. It's still like, man, this isn't like unbelievable creation. So a lot of that was, was, uh, was cool to see. Spa wise. What was y'all's favorite? Favorite element of the spa: hot tub, cold tub. Which temperature? Sauna. TC? I mean, we're talking salt tub. It, it, it stretched across the Celsius, uh, the Celsius spectrum from. <laughs> I cold think six to, to eight. Right. There's a six yeah, degree and, and an eight degree. The, the salt water float pool. I, I think that's um, where I'm going to put it at the top of my list. I, I've never never been in a float pool before, and all the boys just kind of bobbed around, uh, <laughs> drifted around the float. The salt tub was was a pretty pretty funny i'll give a shout to out me. to the yeah i was gonna say i'll give a shout out to the sauna it was um just such a lovely space and the automatic the automatic think- doors on the swimming pool like you could go from <laughs> inside to outside there was like automatic doors like you'd see at a you know cvs or something that just kind of opened up and and let you right outside just a an unbelievable feat in every way i will say that was the, the peak of our sauna experience in scandinavia but i just want to shout out this, the sauna culture in general and and you know i got got to experience it firsthand scandinavians all over scandinavia like it is a it is a uh, a part of the culture some more than others almost as you go from east to west like east the finns seem to be all about like that's that's what culture revolves around the swedes very dedicated to their saunas and then the danes and the norwegians the same thing very important to note, though, not like the U.S. where it's just hot. It's spaghetti and meatballs. It's hot and cold. You have to have the contrast. And and no matter where we went, that was very that was explained to me more than once, which I I appreciate as a big uh, a contrast guy. Uh, I loved it. Yeah, you'll see the we had the sauna up at Jacob's place. Took a sauna at the Mornington Hotel in Stockholm. Took some saunas at the Surf Lodge. Took uh took some saunas at the at the uh, Great Northern yeah it was just like a it was a sauna sensory experience and we didn't get so. to do it but they had floating saunas like boat saunas in uh, in Oslo and you could just jump right off into the into the whatever body of water that was and jump right in and go back in your sauna that's going around on a boat it was sick fjords plus plus saunas that's a what, Last pretty, last pretty point to make on the Great Northern Spa, Johan, the GM, they were so nice. They said, okay, now you guys can spend an hour at our spa. And there were some beautiful people in the spa. Uh, and the five of, <laughs> or really the seven of us roll in. I think we got some camera. I couldn't get out. I, I couldn't get the thought out of my head that it, it felt like uh, caddy day at the Bushwood pool for, you know, the one hour, right? The <laughs> Us schmucks just roll in. We're flopping around. We're, you know, just making a mess of things while these gorgeous Scandinavian people are trying to relax. The the whole thought of that really made me chuckle. I thought Johan had some, had some great uh, perspective on the, the Danish movie Another Round as well, which we could take that offline, but that, that was yeah. a persistent combo throughout the trip. The, the uh, superintendent was great out there. I mean, the, the place was in just exceptional shape, too. It was, yeah. And, and that's Swan. The Swan on 15 
these things were like diving down underneath the water to eat some sort of food underneath the water or catch fish or whatever. And their asses were in the air for like 35, 40 seconds at a time. And you didn't know if these things were going to come back around. But then, you know, it was, it was wild. I'd never seen anything like it. So next up was uh, we leave uh, Denmark and head uh, back across the bridge into the southwest tip, really, of Sweden to play Fausterbo. Yeah. So Fausterbo is like the linksiest course that maybe sweden offers i obviously have certainly not seen all of swedish golf but it's it's an old club a rich history a lot of members have memberships at you know the some of the best golf clubs around the world so it felt very uh blue blood in a sense it it's tucked into this little neighborhood that feels like a very popular summer destination for you know what i presume are well-to-do swedish families and i it was uh it was definitely a change of pace from the golf that we had experienced up to that point right uh heading out this flat piece of property right on the water um and trying to get in that mindset of of links golf and i i thought the golf course itself the back nine feels absolutely like a links course anywhere in GB and I, right? It you you could lift that up and put it somewhere off the coast of Scotland and it'd be like, oh yeah, this is this is a exceptional links golf course. The front nine, it, it's just a little bit weird because it's playing linksy, but then you have these little pawns and Randy, I'll correct you. It wasn't just a little bit weird. It was a lot bit weird. <laughs> okay, good. Cause I, I didn't know if this was just kind of my thinking, but it was like, what's going on here? Is is this is this a links course? Why is that little pond right there that my ball ran into? Uh just just a lot going on. It would be like pl- playing playing the old course and like hills and kind of hummocks everywhere, and you just yeah, you just walk over them and like oh, there's like a swimming pool sized <laughs> pond right there. Like, huh? Didn't I? Fuck! I didn't didn't see that coming. So, yeah. Oh, there's a koi yeah. pond yeah. behind this little mogul. <laughs> and, and like and like kind of like natural looking burns almost, where like they're they're not big, but they're just in weird spots, and there's. It's short. You're playing through trees, and then you know, and, and it's like a it's like a nature preserve back there. So I guess they can't do much with it, and it sits pretty much at sea level as well. And so the defining features they have a, a really cool light lighthouse that that kind of is the prominent physical marker of the property. The routing you kind of get back to the clubhouse by the seventh green, eighth tee. A lot of families walking yeah. out. To the water, either bird watching or just going sightseeing. So you, you kind of have people crossing fairways and holes at certain points, which is a fun. It was kind of mayhem. Yeah, which <laughs> you know, if we're gonna get weird, let's let's <laughs> lean into it a little bit. It's 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 a fun thing to have going on. Big big lighthouse too, not like the little lighthouse at Visby. Like real, big, real lighthouse, you know, substantial lighthouse, and you see Copenhagen across the strait, there, um, you know, kind of low slung against the horizon, and then you get to the back nine, and it's like it's firm and linksy, and 
It's it's one of the flattest courses I've ever yeah, played. Yeah, super flat, Dude. easily walkable. I think my big takeaway with golf, and then I'll turn it over to you guys. I I was I I don't know why I was expecting this. Maybe just thinking about Lynx golf courses, I, I was prepared to be able to really run the ball up to greens. Um, that's been my experience on a lot of Lynx courses. Right there, there's a clear path leading into the green, and I was really a surprise because Fausterbo was difficult and it's not a long course, but the greens are very small. They were very firm. And on a lot of holes, there were cross bunkers that didn't allow you, if you so chose to just use the ground game and to run the ball onto greens. And that made it, in my opinion, very difficult and took a while to get used to because you're, you're having to hit these precise iron shots into very firm and also small greens. I was like, God, I, I, how am I supposed to hit any of these greens? I enjoyed the challenge. I think it's a very cool golf club. Uh, I, I love the history, but I'm curious, like, DJ, what, what was your... What were some of the big takeaways for you from Fauster Bow? I, I would co-sign everything you you just said about it's weird that it, it it was like a very mentally difficult golf course, if that makes sense. Like you're you're right. It wasn't it was short, it wasn't like it was wide, it wasn't crazy in that way, but I was exhausted when when we finished. And I think a lot of that was it, it is this amazing piece of land that straight up, I mean, just kind of juts out into the sea and and there's nothing else on this piece of land except the golf course. It's like a brilliant, beautiful place for a golf course. But the way it's laid out, there was every single hole was like a crosswind. There was no holes that were straight into the wind or straight downwind. So you're just constantly trying to navigate that, which is, which is exhausting. There were also other than a place like Whistling Straits or Kiowa or something like that, that's like predominantly you know, Sandy. I don't know that I've ever played a place that has more bunkers. <laughs> like they were so proud of the fact that there was like 200 some bunkers on this little tiny golf course. And it, it was, yeah, there's just landmines everywhere. But it, in that way, like I maybe had a little more fun. Like I didn't play all that much better, but I maybe had a little more fun playing that than Visby just because, you know, it was kind of equally windy, but there was a little bit more room to miss. But I, I would say the vibe at Visby, you know, would defeat this place kind of like, you know, seven and six. But it was uh, just a very, very cool place. I'm glad we saw it, but it was it was no joke. It was difficult. Would have been a great would have been a great Hickory Golf Course as well. Yeah, like super unique place, right? Like it's I haven't seen anything else like it. It's very much if if Bruhoff was like the American style this was like hey we are trying to be an english golf club we you know from the moment we walked in jan was you know very proud of their rna members and and their connections to different places in scotland and england and the united states as far as you know kind of national members or international members or whatever but yeah just very much very very old school you know you could tell it was kind of like that's probably the the true grand dame of swedish golf uh, you know, a lot of people from Stockholm have summer houses down there, you know, and go down there. And I think you can play year round down there. Like, and speaking of, it speaking really... of playing year round, I, I do just want to give a shout out to their, their cold weather golf club 
that they have uh, that was a a league that runs from October to March. I think it's just a bunch of like very very uh, older guys. They're sickos. They're, who are absolute sickos. Uh, they go out there when the weather is just as bad as it could possibly be. They all pack these lunches. It's like herring and like one beer. And they go out and they just play in like the most shit weather you could you could possibly imagine. They stop at number seven to come inside for a second, warm up, have a beer, and then go back out and trudge back out. Uh, but Randy, it sounded like they were looking for for new members for the uh, for the cold weather league. So you know, just wanted to put the bat signal out here in case anybody's interested. Yeah, for sure. And I took <laughs> home some literature, so I think that's something I will make a decision on. I love the 18th hole. Yeah, too. Oh, that was a great 18th hole. Great finisher. I thought from seven onward, it made total sense. I think the there was one of the, there was one hole though that like I don't know. I I could play it ten times. Uh, you guys probably know the whole number. Um, I should I should looked it up, but like like I have no idea where, where the fuck to drive it, where the fuck to hit your. <laughs> like I just don't know what I just don't know how to play the hole. And I've I've looked at it on satellite since then, and I'm like, how the fuck do you play this hole? I think it was like thirteen or fourteen. I don't know. Do <laughs> we take that offline? Sir, I don't know how to play. I simply don't know how to play the hole. I don't know what <laughs> I don't know what you want me to do. Well, I would point you to number six at Visby TC and say that's what makes it great. You got to just figure it out, man. It's awesome. It's awesome. You come on. What are you, what are you missing the point? And then we we went over to Lunghusen's Golf Club uh, after um, kind of down down the road. More of the Artisans Golf Club. Uh, they've got some really really cool old school holes really like along the coast there that felt in certain ways very similar to what you'd find uh you know kind of on that that northwest england coast like that was like the thing like Falsterbo kind of reminded me of of lytham a little bit you know with all the bunkers and kind of having to navigate that and then certain parts of long kind of reminded me of you know like a west lanks or something like that just you know very uh a little bit more rough and tumble but but some really cool greens here you know and then great flag in that area of Sweden as well. It's like a combination of the Swedish flag and the Danish flag put together. So that is it for, uh, we went back to Copenhagen that night, right? Yeah, we, we spent one more night we in did, Copenhagen yeah. and then uh, packed up and came back across the bridge one final time to go up the west coast of Sweden now. And the next stop on our journey there was a place called Barsabak. TC, take us to Barsabak. Yeah, Barsabak is up on, uh, it's about, I would say, half an hour, 40, 45 minutes north of the bridge. Uh, so you, you start going up the west coast of Sweden there uh, on the east side of the strait. And uh, Barsabak, they, they've got a pretty good history of big time events there. It's a, you can tell, it's a, it's a big dick players course. There's, uh, it's in this pine forest. They've got two courses there, the pine course and the ocean course. The pine course, or the the uh, ocean course used to be called something else. The master's course. The master's course, because they had Scandinavian masters there a bunch, I think. They've taken out, no joke, 44,000 trees. I know, I kept pressing on that. I, I just, I, I couldn't wrap my head around. I thought it was 33,000. Uh, whatever it was, I, I, you know, anything over 10,000, I just couldn't really comprehend how you could fit it's that many still trees. still wouldn't. There's still a on, lot of trees. No, on that property. Like it, it just, it blew my mind, but uh, I think it did wonders for the course. Yeah. And they, they had the, the 2003 Solheim cup there. 
where Europe beat the United States. Um, and it's, you know, you get a little bit of taste of the coast down kind of on, on there's like three or four holes down below where they kind of curve around, um, you know, on this, this kind of flat part. But the rest is mainly played up in this pine forest where it seemed like the old owner uh, and talking to people, I guess the old owner, kind of like Ravislo Deej in uh, Chicago, like the guy just loved yeah. trees and he just kept planting trees, all these like non-native trees, all these hardwoods in this pine forest. Guy couldn't stop. He couldn't stop planting trees. Yeah, like ruined all the corridors and all the connectivity between the course and it just turned into like, you know, 18 holes that were essentially just cut off from one another. And so they've just cleared out all the underbrush, taken out all these trees. I really didn't know what to think. It felt big and big and bold at first, kind of like big and, you know, a little bit like that kind of Medina Hazeltine at first. And then you start, you, you get to like four green, like you start seeing some cool features on the greens. And then it just keeps getting better and better and better as you go along, starting with like four, five, six, like seven was awesome. Was that the one with the tree? Yeah. In the, like right in the middle of the fairway. And then Ludwig met us on the eighth hole on the eighth tee. And I, you know, I was totally starstruck. Who is Ludwig for those that are maybe are not familiar? Ludwig, is it is it Auberg or Oberg? Ludwig Auberg, we'll say. Uh, he's the number one amateur golfer in the world, future uh, European Ryder Cup star, uh, Texas Tech Red Raider, guns up, uh, and just an absolute flusher. Uh, so he hung out with us that afternoon there. And um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I really... I really, really enjoyed it. It was the kind of course that the the it's greater than the sum of its parts, and you can tell that they're really um, they're really putting money into it and trying to kind of get it back to where where it once was and make it the best version of itself. Looking at the map, looking at the Google images, it was just kind of like, what, what what's this one going to be like? What 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 are we what are we getting yeah. hyped for here? What's what's the what, what's special about this course? And even pulling up into the drive. It felt a little dated, a little nineties, a little bit like, man, this just kind of seems like kind of run of the mill. And it's and like I've, day nine of the trip or or yeah. whatever. Yeah. So the energy's already like kind of a little low. A lot of driving. Uh it's yeah, kind of cool. You. It's like, all right, yeah, I see the cool ocean holes down there, but what are we doing? There's like 33 other holes like in these trees. Like, what are we doing here? And I I I struggle. I've I tried to come up with some notes and like an explanation into what really made it special. And I I struggled with it. It was just really good solid design it is not spectacular it is not going to photograph especially well it is just subtle like the green shapes the whole shapes it fit my eye a ton into where i hit the ball the way i shaped the ball the opportunities the challenges it presented it was not easy it was uh it just struck a little something within me it struck creativity it was an eagerness to hit the shots it was not fear of the challenge in front of us it all felt very possible yet at times there was stuff that just bit you really hard of like a skinny little green like the the par three of the fourth hole what is that one the one of the early par threes was like a short little wedge but it was like dude get get it right or you're missing off to one of the sides of one of these greens and you're gonna struggle to get up and down and it uh it unlocked a an eagerness of wanting to play more golf and wanting to play the course again and uh, i cannot say enough great things about barca back it's just way more than what met the eye uh, before we hit our first shots. And uh, I, I hope that shines through on camera. I think it's just kind of something that's really hard to document because uh, it just had some some unspeakable thing to it that made it work. Yeah, I'm glad you said that, Solly, because I felt the same way. 
it it just by the end of the round i was like man that was that was a really enjoyable walk a really enjoyable round of golf for me i think it was probably my second favorite course on the on the trip and i'll just shout out like the stretch 13 through 17 it it at times again felt like northern michigan minnesota that that sort of golf and then you get to 17 and and it's a a par four kind of out towards the water and you can kind of see the water and there are these just gorgeous trees framing the hole and and then i was like god this you could tell me we're in northern california right now and and i would believe it it was a place that as you said everything was out in front of you It, it was kind of a place where if i was ever be struggling with my game it'd be the type of place i want to go play because it's it's straightforward the conditioning is excellent and it it just felt like uh, like if you can't regain confidence in your golf game there where are you gonna do it 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 was it was a joy to play all the slopes and like plateaus on the greens made sense Right, like it was asking you a clear question. Yeah, I, I I felt like it was a an excellent Parkland golf course, and I think my one of my favorites in the U.S. is TPC Harding Park, and this uh, reminded me a lot of that. With the, I think the tree removal helped a ton with that that feeling of you. The Harding Park kind of unspools around itself, and and I, I felt like this uh, course was routed and kind of uh, you know twisted, and you're coming back around on the water. 17, I think, is the best example, as you said, Randy, of like the, the tree removal impact, like seeing the water through the trees, th- this downhill setting. I think that was a definitely a top three or four hole for me on the trip. Yeah, I just I feel like it's just as as solid of a golf course as as you'll find anywhere in the world, like just very Parkland style, right? Like it, we've said it before, you kind of have to sometimes create two brackets for golf courses like golf on the on the water and then you know golf inland and this is like in harding park it's like it's near the water but it's definitely not on the ocean or anything like that so this that's how i felt about this one i think it was a good example of you know the tree removal stuff i think gets a bad rap with you know people who haven't thought all the way through it and you know it's not like people just hate trees i think it's it's a just such a good way to open up some of those vistas that you wouldn't have had otherwise and really like showcase the trees that you leave behind, you know, rather than like feeling like some of these forests, you're just getting absolutely snuffed out and, you know, kind of like it it almost feels like claustrophobic uh, when you have too many trees, when you thin them out a little bit, all of a sudden you start noticing like, Oh my God, what a bunch of really freaking cool trees. That's, that's kind of how I felt about that place. I I do want to call out number seven TC you mentioned earlier, but just to give it a little bit more uh, of a description short dogleg left par four with this lone, I I don't know, cypress tree, small tree left right in the fairway at about a hundred yards out. And I just agonized over the decision off the, off the tee. It just impacted the entire strategy of the hole and it's perfectly placed. And that's all I'm going to say about it. (laughs) Like 13 had kind of similar thing, like tree up the right. And you had to, you had to think about your angle off the tee in order to kind of work back from the second shot so yeah and then and then watching watching ludwig um just pipe like 335 yard drives that like didn't have any spin on them was just absolutely majestic like he's gonna be like a top 10 player in the world for the next 25 years it's crazy that's that's a lot of that's a lot of words you just said (laughs) 
I kind of <laughs> echo TC. I was very impressed with this game. So over four, put it, put 2047. Put a, 2047. I'm going to put a uh, yeah, a little uh, calendar, a calendar reminder on <laughs> calendar. We got one for 2026 coming off on more. All right, I'll say maybe maybe 20 yeah. years, not 25 okay. years, 20 years. Okay. <laughs> Well, depends um, what happens yeah, with the OWGR there's a couple too, other co- you know. <laughs> exactly. A couple other courses up in this area. Well, A, there's a there's a decommissioned nuclear power plant right down the road from this place that you can see. Very inspirational for me. I love playing amongst you know infrastructure like that. A couple other courses up in this area of Sweden. Valda, which is kind of a Lynx style, like built on, you know, kind of an inland Lynx. Uh, and then Halmstad as well. Halmstad's another one that's that's you know, by all accounts, a, a wonderful golf course. So we didn't hit either of those. We continued up the coast, pretty long drive up. Uh, it was like three, three or four hours up to uh, through through Gothenburg, and then up to Fjallbaka Grebestad area, where we played uh, Fjallbaka Golf Club, which might have the coolest <laughs> logo. It looks like a Japanese like karate dojo. <laughs> essentially, that's like truthfully. I know that's people well are like, said. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, no, no, no. That's <laughs> exactly what it looks like. And it's like this, we- yeah, weird, weird place with like amongst the rocks and a river and a creek running through it. I mean, it's 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 wild. It kind of like defies anything. Yeah, the, uh, the landscape reminded me of the like the foothills of the fjords. Like they're they're not fjords, or maybe they are, but they're like kind of. You know, it's like we're not we're not in the Rockies yet, but we're in the foothills, and and it was a taste of what's to come up in Norway. When it, it's to set the scene, everyone that we had talked to about the golf course kind of had like a, <laughs> yeah, where are you guys going? Oh, we're going to so and so. We're going to Fjallbaka. Hmm. Huh. Oh, really? 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 <laughs> they were kind of, I was I was nervous based on that, and and I was you know heard it's quirky, heard all kinds of things. I think there's maybe three to four holes. That you could totally throw out, just total no goes. Like totally the reason why somebody said, "Huh, really?" Like uh, that the, there was like three to four holes that like I'm very fine never playing again. But the remaining like 14 were a fucking thrill ride. It was awesome. It was like uh, a little bit of a teeny tiny bit of Cullen in it in in terms of like the huge rock yeah. formations you're playing amongst and the cliffs and and things like that. Yet it was a, a big boy golf course compared to that. I mean, it was, you know, had really interesting green shapes and contours and hole designs and big elevation changes and some really fun, weird, cool quirks. I mean, there was like a 250 yard drivable par four that you weren't allowed to drive because it played over another tee. Uh, and it was written in the book that it was forbidden to drive over the, <laughs> over the rocks onto that green. And perhaps, the perhaps, the <laughs> which I, um, I kind of have a problem with that. If, if we're being honest, thank you. Randy. Don't, don't tell thank me you. how to play a, a hole, you know? Yeah. It was it's a local it was rule, man. Much a, they can, they can make up local rules however they want. I, I had it was a problem a place with that. that. Like, we weren't, I, I don't want to say we weren't welcome there. They're just not used to tourists coming there. I don't think I did not get that sense. And it, from the members it was, it was very much a, what are you doing? Why are you here? It was a, what, a, what a was neighborhood. Is a neighborhood golf course. It'd be like if a film crew showed up at Jack's yeah. beach like oh like all right cool man but like you're you got to get in line like we have men's league yeah we get the men's line, league going out. like i don't i don't know what you're what you're de- they're not they're not trying to recruit they're not trying to recruit visitors they're not trying to recruit tourists it's just like a banging neighborhood golf course it was like 60 bucks i think to play it it was the, the way i had it kind of described in my head was like very very complicated land and very uncomplicated golf 
and I mean that as a compliment in that like there wasn't a bunch of crazy shit going on on every hole. It was like they they fit the golf holes in where they could around kind of these rock formations and and rivers and you know weird hills and stuff. But you know they didn't try to soup it up to a million outside of that. It was like there was one bunker on a hole, and it was like, hey, this is this is dictating your strategy. Or there was one ridge in a green or something like that. Like it, it was very very uncomplicated golf holes, but just in like a super stimulating setting and it was awesome i uh, again i mean that as like the biggest compliment in that you don't need to spend like they i don't think they spent a lot of money building this golf course and they got an awesome golf course out of it if that makes sense i I really really loved it you pull up to there's like this double decker driving range (laughs) with not a lot of spots (laughs) (laughs) and then like but it's it's so low lying like along this river thing and then there but there's also like all this exposed rock and it doesn't yeah, really it's a rugged coast the west coast of, of sweden is just it's rugged rock it's not a clean beach coast right it's like a little bit mountainous not quite like western norway but it's just not smoothed out there's tons of little inlets peninsula it's it's basically like you know that science photo that shows all the different types of lagoons <laughs> creeks lakes cliffs for it's kind of like that although it's got a little bit of everything sandbars uh, all those memes that go around is like, I want to live here when I grow up. Like that's kind of what it looks like on the West coast. It was similar to Maine, like, like golf I've played in Maine where you go up the coast and it's rocky as hell, but then there's these low lying kind of marsh areas and you're a couple hours South of Oslo. So I think a bunch of people, you know, a bunch of Norwegians have bought, you know, vacation homes down on this coast and everything. I don't know. Just a really, really interesting area of Sweden and starkly different from anything we'd seen over on the east coast uh you know very maritime very kind of maine or like pacific northwest can uh, i say one thing just to be fair and balanced here to to the people of Fielbaka if you're if you're listening we've got to do better with the merch in the in the golf shop i was ready to go spend about eight thousand dollars on on merch with that logo on it the japanese dojo logo and they had they had nothing there was nothing in there that had it's maybe the coolest logo i've ever seen in golf they didn't have anything with it on there which is probably good for my my pocketbook but it was uh it was very disappointing it was pretty late in the season too i think they were and i think it speaks like they they're they're not expecting the yeah they, they just don't expect people from out of town let alone out of country to to come there and want to buy a bunch of merch it, it feels like you know it, it feels like just a bunch of local people and i'm sure they all have a piece or two but they're they're, they're not trying to sell a ton to tourists and i will this- say the place was running amok with female golfers i mean i've never seen so many women golfers on a course at once it, was, it wasn't like a, a women's league it's like week 30 out there and we, <laughs> week 31 yeah. meal was really pissed we did eventually meet some nice people that we talked to for quite a while afterwards that were still very confused by the cameras and what we were doing there but uh we had nothing but nice things to say about their golf course i, I think this course it will be it, this will be a staple on tc's tasting menu for years to come <laughs> right this is a dish that that people are just gonna it shouldn't be like, Don't work take it, off the menu. it shouldn't it, it just, shouldn't it work it but is. it just it just there. hits every time that's right. It's like Colin, man. It's like Colin or, uh, you know, any number of other different places we've been, I guess. This was definitely the one that I was like, all right, like we're going to throw some weird shit against the wall and see if it sticks. And 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 then we were going to play. We drove up after there. We, we were going to play. We, we, we did some other fun stuff in the area, which you'll see. And then drove up to Oslo. 
from there. We're going to play Oslo Golf Club. You know, golf in Norway is very nascent, right? Like it's it's not a whole lot of, it hasn't, you know, there's not been a big golf culture in Norway for more than, you know, a couple decades, if that. There seems to be kind of a, a growing groundswell with Hovland and others that are that are coming up. And so we we drove into Oslo. First of all, the tunnels under the mountains, just the infrastructure. Uh, even when you cross the border, like you cross the border and you know, they're just it's it's very official. You know, wasn't planning to get stopped crossing the border. Like I thought it was a kind of open borders or whatever. And then we were going under these mountains and there's just these crazy like industrial tunnels that are unbelievable and then i don't know it's just such an interesting place they have all the money i mean i was gonna all say the west fjords of norway i've been in a tunnel that was 23 kilometers long like 15 miles long that had roundabouts in it it had like turns it had different options once you get in the tunnel to go different directions i mean the the infrastructure it is the infrastructure capital of the world i, I may say norway the way they've it connected that country in some of the rockiest, wildest terrain you can imagine. It's it's freaking remarkable. Well, you kept saying some of, some of that overbuilt, uh, it, you know, that overbuilt vibe we were talking about at Great Northern, but just generally for the society. Like, let's, let's just, let's just we'll max it out here. Too. We'll, we'll send a train through this one. We might as well. We got the money. <laughs> you kept saying, Sally, it was such a good uh, juxtaposition with like Ireland, where you go to some of these far flung <laughs> places in Ireland. And it's just like, I don't know, so man, there's no fucking road. Just figure it out. <laughs> And, and and everywhere you go in Norway was just like every road is held to the same standard, right? Like if if we're putting a road in, it has to check this box, this box, and this box, and it, it has to be paved. It's got to be USGA spec bunkers and greens. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah. Everything's got sub airs under these yeah, highways. Everything's got to be right, and it, it was uh yeah, it was really funny. We went to uh, what's Buda. the airport called? Garden, oh, oh, the one in Oslo. You no, know, like uh, Oslo Gardemon, which is like, I don't know, an hour and something. <laughs> Very Denver the city. airport vibes. And way out there. Yeah. yeah. It's only like 30 minutes. We took a 30 minute train. Uh, let's, not, let's not get too carried away. It's super, super impressive airport. Uh, and then we hop on a plane and we go to Budu. And then for whatever reason in Budu, they made us get like out of the airport, go back through security. We almost missed our flight. Shout out to that gate um, agent. Kind of cut the line, got in there and said, hey, we got. I got six uh, homeboys. Six, six, six of the homies are coming through. You got to hold this flight. And he was like, "Yeah, for sure, of course, I'll do that." I was like, "Huh? Well, yeah. not even show boarding passes to get on that plane. It's didn't show boarding passes. Just yeah. come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll wait for you. So you know, it was a bit more uh, like getting on a bus than getting on a on say, an airplane. It was I mean, tr- we were six, yeah. six of about twenty eight. people on it the flight. It was a true puddle jumper. Yeah, which yeah. So Budoo is kind of up, the, kind of the last like outpost, and then you. you Basically, you gotta take a ferry or uh, a plane over to Lufthansa, and uh, yeah, we got there. Um, most of do our you, stuff arrived. Everything else arrived. You know. Do you want to shout out Wittero Airlines? A- any status with them? Yeah, Wittero. <laughs> they did a great <laughs> job. Handled their I business. thought they were they were TC's fantastic. Platinum. They've got a nice relationship going on with SAS, which is of course a Star Alliance member. So we get there, and you fly in, and you're like, "Holy shit, this is crazy!" And then you drive what an hour ish down to Lufthansa links and it is there's not really a way to describe it like i tried to this is the one place that i was like all right like you know i'm gonna really get deep on you know the video that you did solly the uh all you know all the different articles about it all the different instagram accounts all that and like nothing prepared me for the place to set the scene um, we're, we're was, 96 miles above the arctic circle at this point i mean you fly you get on a plane in oslo already 
a one of the northernmost big cities in the world, and you just fly directly north. Like you're just going further north. And we only flew for like three to hours. Boat Buddha, yeah. and you change planes to fly further north out of into this little uh, mountain range that juts out into the sea. That is, uh, it's just it's it, it's so hard to describe. I was I went there five years ago and. It, did, it like dawned on me. We went on this like midnight hike because the sun does not set there in the summer at all. We spent ten days there or seven days there, and the sun never set once. And we went on a midnight hike, and we got to the top of this uh, the Raina Bringen hike uh, on top of this mountain. And you can just see for miles and miles and miles on top of this. And the whole all the islands are are these mountains that just jut straight out of the sea. They go straight up. And the brilliant Norwegian engineering has these connecting roads between these islands that I'm are kind of like in quotation marks because they really are just mountains that run along the base of these mountains and connect all of these islands and it's one of the most remarkable scenes I've ever seen from up on top of that that mountain and again you go up further north in, in the island and there is this golf course up there that honestly just has no business existing because it's just not grass growing territory and uh, it's, you know, it's a well-documented place to this point, but yeah, it's, it's impossible to really describe until you see it. It almost feels like Hawaii. If you took all the like tropical stuff away, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's just these, yeah. yeah. Like you said, these, these volcano feeling things that just these fingers that just pop up out of the, out of the ocean. It's it, impossible. It's like the North shore of Oahu. It's like the North and like East shore of Oahu basically. And then, and then there's a golf course there which Froda built. It's like his family's land. And I was, I had low expectations for the golf course. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was awesome. Like I, I, I was thinking, all right, this golf course can be a total novelty and all that. Like, no, like it was, it's a legitimately great golf course. Like there's, there's some, there's a lot of tall grass right off the, like right off the fairways where that makes it very challenging. If you're not a wetlands decent player, if you're there's, not, there's pure yeah, wetlands like, that they can't do anything about They're Like if you hit it into it, you lose your golf ball. I, in a lot I would of call it like the definition of gunch. I've never <laughs> seen anything like it. Like you step in it and you're going down a foot. Like it is, it was probably, I think the hardest course we played. Some of that may be the fact that you're playing it. You know, it's light. It was light out for us till, you know, it, it stayed light out all night, but the sun went down for two or three hours. And so, I don't. I think you get kind of used to it being very dim and not realizing how much of an impact that's having on you. Like, where am I going? Like, it's messing with your depth perception. Just a, just it's the middle know, of the night. So you're, yeah, you're- what a unique experience playing golf. You know, and into past midnight. And I love that golf takes you to places you never go otherwise. And uh, I think the best embodiment of that before I went to uh, Lufaton was Carn right? Just on the edge of the world in Ireland, Northwest Ireland. And I think this is, you know, right up there, maybe tops that as far as like, man, how, how are we playing golf here? So I love experiences like that. I love when golf feels more like hiking, um, or cross country trekking, um, than it does like a country club experience. And, and I think that, uh, Lofoten checked all of those boxes for me. And, and it was just a place, I, I mean, the golf course, like you said, Tron is, you know, I, I was in the same boat. I kind of thought it would be a little bit of a novelty and, you know, we're fitting this in where we could get it in sort of, sort of situation. And honestly, if that was the case, I, I still would have been fine with it, right? Like it almost doesn't even matter if the golf course is good or not, <laughs> you know, and there certainly are some like really legitimately cool, good, good holes out there. But again, like it, it, it almost doesn't even matter when you're walking around a place like that. It's just, man, this is, 
this is one of one. This is the only place in the world that looks and feels and sounds and smells and everything like this. The colors that you see on the flowers, the views you see of the rocks, the way the sun just kind of hovers in the sky, the like the food, the people, the everything. Like it, it is the definition. I know we're two and a half hours into this podcast, but like, man, if you're going to plan a trip like three years from now you're going to get on all these airplanes you're going to pack up all this stuff like this is so obviously the place to go right i mean it it is it's unlike anything you're ever going to find anywhere else and i will say to to your point though neil there is so much to do in lufton that this is like the you could go take a trip there and rent clubs like you don't need to haul your stuff there it's 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 the first time I played there, I went there just to go explore the islands with some buddies that did not play golf. And they, I was just like, guys, you got to come play this place. Like, I know you're not golfers. We'll rent some clubs. Like, the owner's really cool. Just pr- let's go play. Let's, let's go do this. We'll, we'll stay there for a night, and I promise you're going to enjoy it. And they absolutely loved it. it. And I was there in June at that time, and I, I, it's impossible to describe this phenomenon of the sun is setting, obviously, to the west, and it's out over the ocean, and you're playing golf and it's 1.30 in the morning, and you're just watching it like dive, dive, dive towards the horizon like the sun does every night. And you don't know when it's going to start happening, but it never comes close to the horizon, and it just starts rising again. And that's just the way the earth tilts to the northern part uh, during the summer months, and it just starts going, going again. And at 3 o'clock in the morning, it's as bright as any moment, at the brightest part of your day, whatever day you're listening to this, it's brighter at three o'clock in the morning and it's outrageous phenomenon. And it's, I was just like, I'm going to play 54 holes. I'm never going to go to bed. Like you get very exhausted very quickly, which I found out, but it was such a thrill to be just standing on the, on a green at two 30 in the morning, uh, completely the place to yourself. The only sound you hear is the wind. It's just an outrageous, outrageous place. And it's just kind of like a, it's very, I, my attitude towards travel, especially when I lived abroad, was very binary. It was like, dude, you are either going to visit this place in your life or you're not. Like, it's extremely binary. So, like, how do you, how do you make, how do you make it happen? How do you go see somewhere like this and not just only hear about it? And if, if that leads somebody listening to this to go take a trip to somewhere that they never thought they'd go, I hope it, does. I hope that affects one person because that, that kind of impact has had a big, uh, or that kind of thinking has had a big impact on my life. And, uh, I was just so, thrilled we all got to experience that together because that was the perfect book into this trip it can't be overstated how nice the well that's what i was going to say too from like, <laughs> like a, a, whether it's a spousal perspective or whatever that's where i get back to like the golf course like it doesn't fucking matter man like it, yeah it, like it is good and that's a great positive but it's like you could also go fishing or biking or hiking or just f- go forage for mushrooms or go to you horseback know riding. or horseback riding or never leave the cabin and just sit and look at this screensaver all day you know i don't you want to say like anything else about the the lodging and kind of what they built for the northern lights and stuff well it's it's, yeah it's just like these cool cottages and you know they're all like it it was like the lodging abandoned i mean it's just like really well done and thoughtful and massive windows and like i woke up like i couldn't go to bed one night or last night and i woke up at like 2 a.m and there's a fox running down the street and i just i just opened my window and sat there for like or opened the door and just sat there for like 20 minutes it was the quietest 20 minutes of my life i don't think i've ever heard or felt anything quite like that sense of peace there it was it was yeah i want to shout out two things first the solly what you were saying about the sun 
it did go below the horizon, but the way that it changed, uh, the lighting changed the vibe of the course so much. Like at, at some points during the round, I felt like I was in Arizona. I felt like I was in the desert and just the way that the, the colors and the way that it lights up the, uh, the world around you is just something I've never experienced before. And two, I want to shout out the first hole that folks, and I, I, I would like to call it the Tim Wakefield of, of, of golf holes. Like it, it's just throwing, I can't hit it, man. I can't, I can't, I don't know why I can't hit this knuckleball. I can't hit it. It's unbelievable. It's going 60 miles an hour. It's like, how can he just keep throwing me this, this cheddar, this meatball and I can't hit it. It, So that hole will stick with me forever. One other shout out to the, uh, the Hoven, the, uh, uh, restaurant there. That's like this old kind of big barn. We ate a bunch of meals there. It was fantastic. The ladies, the ladies working in there, the food was exceptional quality, uh, great fish, uh, just, yeah, cool. Like it, it was a hove, the mountain itself. Of course. Of course. It can't be overstated on the, on the food side of things. How like, and granted, I know we went to a lot of, you know, especially like the places we had reservations. We went to like some nice places, but just an immense amount of pride taken in every single meal we had. It was crazy. I feel like we, you know, it was very much like, yo, if we're open for business, we are doing this the right way. Everything. And that that extended to, you know, I think that's probably a larger metaphor for Scandinavia, but that extended to the travel and the lodging and check-ins at the toll booths. And just like everything was was very, very, there was a lot of pride being taken in kind of everything that was done, but the food was kind of where it shone through the most. The logo at uh, Lufaton, what'd you guys think? It was, it was polarized. Not, not, not for me, but I understand there is, there's a story behind it, uh, but you know, not, not something that I'm super into. Oh, well, uh, the logo I think is, <laughs> I get what they were trying to do and it's, I think it's <laughs> mucho not good. But I think I'm in. Which I'll, is the I'll, midnight sun? I'll throw is a, what they were what they were going for. I'll throw a positive vote for it. It's a little star. It's a little Star Wars. It. it looks a little Tatooine kind of but Pokemon. I'm, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Randy? What was your? Oh, I your was just gonna away? say. You know, we we talked about stuff to do. I would so encourage people to make the hike up to the top of of Hove Mountain. Um, we did that the last afternoon, and the the payoffs with the scenery was just incredible. So, so happy we were able to do that. And if you do find yourself there, besides playing golf, get out and go for a hike. It it the the scenery, the views are just truly majestic. And if you don't have that takeaway from watching the final episode, then DJ Pi, we're sending DJ Pi on his way. <laughs> if, you, if you can't make the, that drone footage work. And you, you you serve no no purpose here, sir. I'm sorry. And and I will say, just kind of circling back to to the beginning, when you inevitably go Google Lofoten links after this, the first photo that comes up with all the northern lights in the background, that's Jacob's photo. Like that's <laughs> yeah. that that Jacob's a bad <laughs> bad dude uh, when it comes to the the photo world. And uh, so I, I promise you're going to be familiar with his work quickly. In case that doesn't translate very yeah. well, that that's a compliment. <laughs> yeah, yes. a bad yeah, yeah. Just to just to be just to be clear. Right. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you feel like you're up on the edge of the earth, and then you kind of are because it took uh, it was five flights to get home for, for <laughs> and a six and a half hour drive. Which drive from um, Oslo to Sweden? I mean, we drove through a rainstorm and then dark at night. It was the 
probably the scariest drive it I've was ever gnarly. I've ever done. We had some. We, we were pumping the Metallica. <laughs> you know, try. We got. We got to make it. You know, we, we can't stop. We got to go. We're hydroplaning. Eighteen wheelers are are. It was beast mode. It felt like driving into Mordor, like lightning, darkness, crazy looking clouds. So I will remember that as well. Yeah, the Swedish interstate, it's like two lanes and then there's passing lanes like every, you know, couple thousand meters or whatever. It's it was gnarly. But uh yeah, so that was that was the trip. I guess just general themes. What what really like I'll ask each of you guys, what was your biggest misconception, Scandinavia in general, but probably more specifically Sweden? Like, what was your biggest misconception heading into the trip that didn't turn out to be? I'll, I'll just say from my experience in continental Europe, all of the golf is private and very much like take a test to be certified to be able to play golf. And it's very much viewed as rich man sport, Germany, France, Netherlands. Like, it's not. And I guess I was just expecting that technically this being continental Europe and it was not like that. It was very approachable GB&I model of a very inexpensive and huge amount of the population plays this this sport. Um, and that was just something I did not know going in and was very pleasantly surprised to learn about their culture. Yeah, I, I would second that on a golf perspective, just uh, more from a from an actual course perspective. I didn't expect there to be quite so much GB&I influence and, and a lot of the kind of old classic style golf courses. I, I, I was picturing a little bit more like Bruhoff and kind of more modern, big, brawny golf courses. And there was a lot of charm and a lot of kind of small, intimate spots within, which was which was great. I'll, I'll use that to jump off to a wider point. I, I think the Swedes, especially, I know like efficiency and directness are, are two things you're going to get dealing with uh, the people. And I, I think I had a perception that that could come across just very cold and maybe unwelcoming in a certain light. And it could not have been, I, I could not have been more wrong on that perception. Uh, yes, they are very efficient. They can be direct, but I, I felt so welcomed and there was a warmth throughout all of our stops and all of our interactions. And that was just wonderful to, to get to experience. Mine was a simple one I mentioned earlier, just that saunas are not just heat. It's, <laughs> it's hot and cold. So that was a, a misconception that I had. I, uh, I think mine was probably, I'd never really spent much time in Denmark. I'd flown through there before, but I really liked the, the rivalry between the Swedes and the Danes and, and the Norwegians. And, you know, basically it was, it was summed up for us. It was like, yeah, the Finns are up there and like, they're probably drinking and doing their sauna. Like nobody really knows what the hell they're doing, uh, but they're like pretty reliable and, you know, you can kind of, you know, figure it out with them. All the Swedes were like, yeah, you got to watch yourself with the Danes. Like, they're, they're traitors, man. They're, they're, it, yeah. Yeah. And then everybody to a T was like, yeah. And the Norwegians, like, they just want to go hike. They just, they just want to go out in nature and like, they're just happy, man. They're rich. They're happy. They're, they're outdoorsy and they just want to like go find. It, some it almost had a bit of a, cause I guess, cause everything's fairly close proximity obviously sweden and norway stretch way 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 up to the north but uh, almost like a college football kind of rivalry right like yeah. like your conference rivals the way that they they kind of caricature each other in a fun way it was uh i, I was digging it it's kind of like wisconsin and like minnesota you know 
I will say it was a, I felt a noticeable difference going from Sweden into Copenhagen and how nice the Danes were in Copenhagen, just like the servers, the people in general, not that people in Sweden were not, it was just like a, a cheerier, funnier atmosphere, uh, in Copenhagen than what we experienced in Stockholm. That was, that was very noticeable. All right, well, let's wrap it with uh, some parting thoughts, parting things that didn't fall into the, any of the buckets, what we talked about uh, from, from our experience. TC, why don't you start us off? Gosh, the subway system in Stockholm. I can't get enough of it. I could ride around on that subway all day long. All the, all the stations are different artwork, and it's like the world's largest art museum, essentially. It's the coolest, and it tells the story of Swedish history and of each neighborhood that like that station is in. Between that and the dinner that we had the first night at Ann and T's uh, as well, which people will see in the first episode, uh, those two things are just that kind of sticks with me. And I'm dying to go back to Lufaton and I'll play a little bit of golf, but I'm dying to like go back there and, and hike and do everything plus a little bit of golf. I will say, just kind of emptying the the notebook here, massive fan of the Swedish uh, fika culture. Uh, there, they have kind of these mandated cultural coffee breaks just built into the day, almost like a you know a siesta, but for for coffee. Massive fan of that. Can't get enough, and uh, would would sign your petition to adopt that immediately uh, in the United States. I think. Uh, the other thing, I was I was worried I was going to get E. coli because I ate so much tartare, uh, just so much raw beef throughout all of Scandinavia. Big fan of that. Uh, and I think biggest lasting kind of thing in the back of my mind is is Copenhagen and need to get back there in either a golf or non-golf capacity as, as soon as humanly possible. I will echo just wanting to get back I, to the cities for me. I... I Absolutely found Stockholm, Copenhagen, Oslo, premier world-class cities that I could spend a week in each destination uh, exploring, you know, all that, or at least as much as uh, they can offer to me. I, the gin and tonics, I I just struggled to order them back stateside because they were so delicious. um, And, and really the, the, the gin and tonics Anne made that first night at their apartment in Stockholm. It's as good as it gets. Going into the trip, I was so excited to see this, the cities of Scandinavia. And they not only kind of lived up to what I was hoping they would be, but we went in the middle of summer. I, I'm They're the type of place where I like, I'm not sure life or the world gets much better in late July, early August than in Scandinavia. And I just was so taken with the surroundings and and the city life. And that's that's just what I remember above and beyond any golf. uh, It just is such a cool place to go see and experience. Honestly, a big takeaway for me was, you know, I I think my golf trips and my uh, culture trips are two separate things. I don't I don't usually do both at the same time. I don't, you know, go experience cities and play golf. It's kind of like I'm going to Scotland or Ireland or somewhere. I'm playing 36 a day if I can, uh, you know, mixing in some 18 whole days. This was kind of blending both of those. I if I went back, I wouldn't need to take my golf clubs. I enjoyed the golf a lot, but. I enjoyed the most, the part I liked the most was 
uh, just experiencing this part of the world in that stretch of time. It is just awesome sitting out by the river in Copenhagen, riding bikes around Copenhagen, uh, uh, the, the most vivid images I think I have, um, of the trip. And it's just a, I, I, I my affinity for Europe has been well-documented and I, I think that's going to just shine through in general, how just delightful, uh, it was to flip the cameras on and, and document that part of the world in summer. Cause it's, it's, it's special. Yeah. I think, uh, Visby was kind of the highlight for me as I could, I would love to go back there with my wife and I could spend a week on that Island playing golf, going to the glamping, going to the Tofta beach house. I thought that was just a perfect encapsulation of summer in Scandinavia for me. Also the car ferry just kind of had all of it there for me. Um, and there's, you know, it's great to get out of your comfort zone with things like when you get home, I was thrilled to get home and have a shower door, like little things like that. There's something about, it's kind of all over Europe, but I noticed that at all the hotels we stayed at, there's small bathrooms and there's just a curtain and the floor is just a continuous tile floor. So the water gets all over the bathroom and it's just one of those little things of like cultural difference you'd never really think about of like, but it was kind of very frustrating for me because I don't like it when the whole bathroom gets wet and I like to take a lot of showers. So, uh, that was, you know, little things that make you appreciate coming home. Uh, there were a few of those, but I think, uh, overall it was a fantastic trip and I'm glad it was a perfect mix of both golf and non-golf activities. And, and probably should say a, a huge shout out to our sponsor for this season, which is precision pro who've been a sponsor for Taurus sauce. Now this is their third year in a row. They've sponsored it. And, uh, it was uh, it was a big endeavor in their support of us and and uh, and our operation has uh, led us to to making this happen. So we greatly appreciate that and uh, that that'll shine through in the videos as well. So big thanks to BMW and Original Penguin as well for kind of some of the stuff they furnished. Uh, one other thing, the breakfast. I like every time I go over there, the breakfast scene is just oh, so God. good. TC, like that's the, Exactly right. The cheese danishes lived up to the name in Copenhagen. Unbelievable at the Hotel Kong. I got that cheese danish Kong's way and I loved it. Kong's way. Uh, and then like I think the the like overarching resounding thing, like when I landed back, I flew through London on the way back and then landed back in, at Dulles in like that subterranean fucking like cost you know like u.s customs and immigration or whatever like dungeon downstairs and i'm just like yo like what are we doing did you uh did you ride the mars rover from terminal to terminal at dulles as well god what a ridiculous inter-terminal transport system they've got i, I god i feel that so deeply i had that exact same feeling at uh at newark and just yeah, back back in New Jersey, it felt like I was I was you know trying to kick a heroin habit or something like going through withdrawal as soon as we as soon as you got back in, in the U.S. Just like what what wait this no 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 this can't be it what are we what are we doing oh wait, we gotta come back I'm here sorry, did you guys have did you guys have a bad experience getting home or something no was no that, no did you guys have a just, tough time getting home okay. not at all I I didn't know if we wanted to talk about that because that listen we had a little we had a little breakdown. It was a 30-day silence. We were past the 30-day window on uh, just a – we sat on the tarmac for four and a half hours. But you're not supposed to be able to sit on the tarmac for more than three hours. Mm. And we did. And they had to bring us back deep plane. And uh, we did – we took off after midnight, um, after what was already 24-hour travel day to that point. Um, so rowing, in, rowing home at 4 a.m. was uh, a tough, tough way to, to finish the trip. Did you tweet about it? 
You, I did not. I need you get. I need you tweet at these airlines. Uh, yeah. Special about the U.S. custom <laughs> experience, even like whether you're like you know U.S. citizen or not. Like just they just dump. It's just a race from the plane, and you get out into these big halls at JFK or or Newark, and it's like, dude, figure it out for yourself. No one's there to help, and these lines are crazy. And with that, uh, we will sign off on uh, our season eight Taurus Sauce recap podcast. You, of course, can. Uh, Watch that on our YouTube channel. If you're listening to this now, it comes out uh, October 26th, and we'll be airing every Tuesday night uh, at 8 p.m. I believe we'll we'll clarify that all that information on Twitter as we go forward. But every week through the end of the year, you can uh, find Torah Sauce on YouTube. So thank you everyone for tuning in, and we'll see you back here soon. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect